0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Kano Rinse podcast, Volume 1, Issue 49. In the epic conclusion to our six-part Metal Gear 25th Anniversary series, we review 2008's spectacular but polarising Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots. Joining me, Leon Cox, Tony Atkins. Hello. And the return of Jay Taylor. do Howdy. Now, uh, you may or may not be aware that there were supposed to be some other people on the show. You were probably expecting Paul Rooney, for one, of Ready Up. Sadly, he's got technical issues. Carl Moon also uh, has technical issues. And sadly, Sean O'Brien of Kane and Rince over there in New York is poorly. So we're down to just three, but we reckon there's probably enough to talk about and in jay we certainly have somebody who knows this game inside out and back to front it goes without saying that there will be almighty spoilers in this show So let's start briefly with our personal history with the game. Tony?
1: Um, I brought this up on release, very excited about it. Um, I think the only thing to really note is that I hadn't, up to that point, played Metal Gear Solid 3. Obviously Peace Walker wasn't out, but I had, and I hadn't obviously played the Metal Gear games back on the MSX. So I was missing a sec- subsection of my history of the game, um, which, you know, having replayed it for this show over the last week or so, um, was probably quite important. But uh, yeah, day of release for me. I think the
0: uh, most modern day, latter day Metal Gear fans probably haven't played through the, the MSX games, even though they are on subsistence in the HD collection, Jay being one of those. So what's your history with this game? You just, uh, you just played it through once on easy, yeah? Hey, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My personal history with Metal Gear, well, MGS4 was, was one of the games that made me decide that I had to have a PS3. You know, 18 months before the game came out, mind, but um, from the moment we saw the first trailer in 2005, the first sort of teaser, if you will, that we, I was sold. I mean, I've been sold on the Metal Gear series right through from Solid anyway, um, and thoroughly, you know, caned and rinsed every single one of them. So four was a day one, and in all honesty, I've never stopped playing it, um, you know in in the in the four years since it came out i've i've never stopped playing this game i've gone hmm. through it you know 16 times before the trophy patch and now i'm, on, I'm currently on my 22nd playthrough so it's just you know <laughs> still no platinum though uh, you know whether that's ever <laughs> going to happen is debatable when i saw how hard you've got that. i mean that's a challenge but you know. how can you say that after playing it for 22 times because that you don't because <laughs> it, it you know, one of those playthroughs requires it to be, you have to spend 35 hours on just that one playthrough. So, you know, the, there's a very specific thing to get there. And, and that's, it's only in one or two trophies that the real challenge lies. But, God, mm-hmm. God it's, it is a challenge. But, inserted in there four years after the
0: fact for yeah. the fans. Of course, that patch also removes the Metal Gear Online support, which is non existent now anyway because mm-hmm. they took the servers down. We won't be covering that here. Yeah, my history is I was one of those people that uh, you know saw the reviews and uh, had to have it, even though I knew that I probably wouldn't know what the hell was going on because I hadn't played 3 properly at this point, Metal Gear Solid 3. I had completed Metal Gear Solid's one and two mm. uh but i was definitely looking at the review scores the 94%s everywhere the 98% graphics scores i was buying a ps3 that summer it had recently the game had recently come out so it was uh it was bought with the machine um took it home to look at the graphics and then didn't play it for 4 years until we made this show so i've so now so shallow look at the graphics yeah you know what i'm <laughs> like a massive graphics whore uh, Always playing the latest bleeding edge stuff on my high end rig. Uh but um yeah, so uh I put it aside and uh now I'm I am i I'm glad I didn't play at the time because it would have been baffling and I think that's something that we will obviously cover in this podcast is that this isn't really not a game for the non converted, for anyone who's already played a Metal Gear game of a- any of them and either, you know, didn't like them, didn't get on with them. Uh, I think even if you enjoy the fundamentals of the gameplay, I think there's so much yeah. plot in here that I think it, you know you can, you definitely can play this as just a game, and that's another conversation we'll have because obviously, like Jay hasn't watched all the way through the nine hours plus of cutscenes on all of his twenty-one and a half playthroughs. That would be insane <laughs> um, speedrun times. We've 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 checked, and you can speedrun this game in under three hours by skipping all the cutscenes, but. That's actually not a super fast time for a speedrun game, which suggests that, you know, normal playing time for a normal person, even with skipping all the cutscenes, is probably going to be six, seven hours, something like that. Mm. So uh, given my completion time on a, a relatively low difficulty setting was 15 and a half hours, even if nine hours of that is cutscenes, then six well, and a half hours of I'd, that is
1: I'd gameplay. I'd also say you're, you're approaching this game fundamentally wrong if you're just going to be skipping the cutscenes of a Metal Gear Solid game, kind of missing the point of a Metal Gear Solid game.
0: Yeah, but I, I think you're right. But then there is quite a lot of game in here as well. Like, for me, this is very much a, a sandbox game. Like, a, it, it's, it, it's not open world, but it's got so many toys in it, so many mm. playthings, the weapons, the items, and the enemy soldiers and the environment that there's a lot of fun
1: to be had just pissing around in this game. It was actually quite funny coming to this game after playing uh, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Mm. Um, purely because that one's almost entirely of mechanics uh, yep. and the story's, you know, it's there but it's kind of not quite the same presentation and I, I really enjoyed that because it was really fo- very focused on mechanics and this one it kind of flipped it back the other way around obviously it was before Peace Walker um, but yeah, to, to go back into quite a story-heavy driven Metal Gear Solid game felt weird uh, for the first couple of hours because I'd mm. already pumped 30-40 hours into uh, to Peace Walker which was the opposite way around. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, originally
0: we were planning to do Peace Walk after simply because it came two years later. But I think because I I think people persuaded us that it was more sensible to even though this is the older game, it was more sensible to do this one last Mm -hmm. because it does wrap up the story. For now, Act One, Liquid Sun. Here's my summary. A prematurely aging snake is sent by the UN to the war-torn Middle East in pursuit of liquid who still plans to enslave the world. Kitted out with the Solid Eye and Metal Gear Mark II, he meets helpful gun launderer Drebin and his naked ape, Little Grey. Snake hooks up with US Peacekeeping Force Rat Patrol Team 01, headed by It's Meryl Silverberg from Metal Gear Solid, and featuring Johnny Akiba Sazaki from all the Metal Gear games. Pursued by enemy frogs, which are a sort of uh, creepy, armoured female super group of Cyber Troopers um, and uh, Geckos, which are these uh, bipedal biomechanical I Ed Robo- RoboCop. Those yeah, kind of- Ed 209 mm. meets uh, the Scout Walker with the legs of a uh, with the noise of a cow and the legs of a pole dancer and the feet of a camel. <laughs> um, Snake discovers Liquid Ocelot experimenting with nanomachine-related mind control, apparently aided by Dr. Naomi Hunter, also from Metal Gear Solid. So. You're obviously, from a gameplay point of view, you're inserted back into this world. It's a bit of a shock to the system, being thrown into this very busy, war-torn area with these mm-hmm. um, local militia resistance troops running about. You've got the PMCs, which are the private military companies, run mostly out of uh, out of heaven, controlled by a Liquid Ocelot, who is of course Ocelot body in <clears> with liquids, uh, liquid snakes mind now completely. Um and i I found it a bit sort of whoa, it's a bit like that thing where you enter an online game of Battlefield three and it's like shit, you know shell shocks like it's all kicking mm-hmm. off, and even though actually it's you're in a very controlled environment it's a, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors you can't I don't think you can even be hurt in the first couple of areas um it feels like whoa, this is not normally you know you. Thinking about the entrance to Shadow Moses in Metal Gear Solid One, you come up in a pool of water, no one knows you're there, you're like a ninja, you've got two guards to start with, and you can, you know, pretty much toy with them. Here it's like shit, it's all kicking off. Um, and at first, you're not given any of the new toys really either, are you? No, no.
2: But I mean, I, I still rate this as quite a good opening sequence to a game. Um, yeah. Just, yeah you know you've got this whole sort of monologue as as you see these trucks driving in and then it kicks off into this huge battle and it's it's when the geckos are introduced they're amazing to behold and they are super cool, and they're creepy as well, yeah. and they're
0: imposing, and they, you think they're just going to – the the bit that really struck me, and, and I think it's quite deliberate, is you think they're going to stomp around the streets like Scout Walkers from Return mm. of the Jedi, but then mm-hmm. you, you sort of dive inside a building, and they start kind of smashing through the walls and then using these twisty, turny legs and their toes to hook onto things and follow you. Mm. They're actually quite nightmarish, I think.
2: Yeah and yeah it's like I, I don't know if you've messed around on this level with them but I, I have several times as you can imagine but <laughs> it's it's things like there's 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 one in particular that patrols up and down the street the main street in this area and mm. if you like I don't know you, you you can have a gun at this point if you pick it up and if you take a shot at it it is a you obviously get the 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 classic exclamation mark and it will go over to the building and then climb up and look in and <laughs> when that happens for the first time you're like oh shit I didn't know they could do this <laughs> yeah and you're like what? Wow. I don't think I ever got over the fact that they
1: they had legs that could bleed it it's was creepy isn't it it was always weird because you know they're very mechanical of course yeah. and yeah but they, they they're spout, making these they weird fountains of blood when yeah, uh, weird cow noises which is kind of yeah. freaky at the same time yeah. but yeah just every time I, <laughs> I shot their legs and they started spewing blood it's my Mm. mind always kind of i don't (laughs) i don't really understand the mechanics of how this can be because they're they're flesh
0: bonded to Mm. to to metal aren't
1: they they're they're but like i I mean i I think as an opening this this actually is quite a strong opening because we've said before like you normally come into a metal gear and (laughs) although this is probably one of the most accessible ones they they give you time to kind of you know stand up, stand down, crawl around a mm. bit, work out where, what's going on in the environment. There's normally only one or two people for you to to sneak past and kind of, you know, ingratiate yourself with with all the control mechanics and everything that's going on in the world. This one there is a raging battle and there's bullets going everywhere and you're like, what is going on? Um, and it's it, it feels very different from the others as you're having to sneak under uh, buildings and under trucks and stuff and there's this raging battle going between two people and you don't really, I, I didn't know that you couldn't necessarily see, be seen, but... It's, I don't know, I found, it, I found it quite a strange experience entering it again for, you know, even on
2: a second mm. playthrough, um, you know, because mm. big battle going off around you. You know, when this game came out in 2008, there really wasn't anything that looked like it on the PlayStation. And I think they were one of the first major developers that sort of said, look, this is what we can do, you know, and then it, it's got that, there's there's sort of a shade of that kind of, I will not say showing off, but they really wanted to wow the player. So they, they put in all this stuff in the initial, rather than have a quiet, sneaky sort of mission start. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, far better use of um,
0: sort of uh, the sort of handheld camera, war footage type mm-hmm. stuff that we, we see. There's the the lens gets smeared and dusty, um, sort of things we've seen in Battlefield and possibly that Kane mm-hmm. and Lynch game. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I think the only thing that, I think that you know the, the the graphics engine stands up very well by all accounts I think the only thing that betrays it really are there are a few lower res textures yeah. and the frame rate is slightly variable but not not to any detrimental way it's just you notice the frame rate actually unlocks or speeds up when there's only like if snakes only on screen mm. but you know it's minor concerns I think Tony you were saying you you know you're you're the one of us here who's got a high end PC of current standards and and this stands up alongside recent PC releases graphically.
1: Yeah, I mean I I remember it looking beautiful at the time. Um, you know, but 4 years on coming back to it, I was still surprised of quite how modern it feels. Mm. Um, you know, it's like I, you know, I can obviously run things at lots of high rares and you know, very powerful graphics garden sleeping dogs and all that stuff and, you know, mm. all looks beautiful. Um, and I think the way they 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 managed to pull it off in this game um is they're quite actually quite closed off environments, So, you know, there's, there's buildings either side, like there's not a huge amount of draw distance. something yeah. like uncharted would require. Um, so they, they have more kind of grunt, I guess, to, to do, um, close up stuff, close up stuff. Uh, yeah. and I, th- I think they do a lot of smoke and mirror stuff. There's a lot of, um, flare on the camera there's lots of dust particles and stuff like that so you know you can yeah. get away with not necessarily having the highest res textures around you but yeah, it's obviously the largest areas
0: out. are on uh, Shadow Moses where there's always a blizzard going on so
1: <laughs> yeah but it's it's a small effects like i think people can get carried away like oh that texture is not the the highest res it can be but I, I think all the time you've got um dust floating in the sky and you've got um you know smears and water effects on the cameras and stuff like that i mean that it, it takes your eyes away from that and I still think it looks like well, this,
2: this first level is necessarily sort of where it really shows off what it can do. I think South America, when we get to that section, that's mm. that's an area that really sort of stands out to my mind. Like, is although again, you you, you do feel like you're you're still within sort of a, a constrained area. Um, you know, the draw distance is as far as you can see. I mean, it's as far as it needs to be. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. everything's there and you can see these tiny little sort of figures walking around patrolling and stuff. And, you know, I think it's, you know, it, it, it's aged incredibly well. I mean, there's, a, there's quite a few games that in the same sort of timeframe, which don't look as good as they, you know, they, they haven't aged oh, as well. Completely. As a, there's a whole truckload of yeah. games you go back to four years
1: ago and go. Mm. Oh, I mean, I remember loving um, Ghost Recon, the, the first Advanced warfighter yeah, yeah. released, and thinking that was the, the greatest thing I've ever seen. Back when I first played it yeah. on, on the Xbox 360, you go back now, you're like, oh, clearly that is a, a first generation attempt of. You feel so plain, doesn't it? Like you it look does. into um, it, and it just feels like. But, it's... You know, I, I was saying to you guys, you know, off air, but I I think if they released this game now, nobody would have any quibbles about how great. Metal Gear Solid Four looked, um, mm-hmm. and you know, and so that we were going from maybe the second wave of of stuff on the PlayStation Three, maybe it could even be classed within that first wave. Um, so to release it now we're at the very end of the console's life, and I think nobody would really have too much complaining about how mm-hmm. it looked is is a testament to how you know, how they got it right the first time through, although you know four years ago.
0: So the uh, budget for this game was around sixty million dollars. It's uh, still one of the relatively few games that I believe pretty much uh, everything fills the Blu-ray disc. Yeah. I don't know if it actually fills it, but um, uh, on the, on the original release, um, well, up until last month, uh, you could only install it chapter by chapter, couldn't you? Act mm. by act, which was a very strange system. Um, the recent update. Uh, not only added trophies and removed Metal Gear Online, but also added the ability to install the whole thing, which was lovely. Um,
1: they were almost apologetic of, I think back then, having to install a game to the hard drive. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. But
0: PS3 games are still like this. I mean, that's a whole other topic. But there's a lot of PS3 games which don't allow you to fully install them, which is bizarre. Mm-hmm. When on the uh, 360, you can.
2: It's a console feature now. It's very strange. It's a weird thing because I actually there are times I actually miss the loading screens because well the reason being is I, you're a freak I, well no because i mean it's, it's like you do get it on the initial loading which is the snake having a cigarette screen a which forever. looks yeah. fan, fan, i mean it, it was something that you think oh wow is that you know how have they done that is that real is that in engine or is that just a, an mm-hmm. fmv thing but it, it, it's impressive to to look at i mean you you know the but it was the thing that I always, uh, which I really liked, was the messages that you would get coming up on screen. It was things mm. like, you know, if you were a smoker, you know, don't throw your butts on the floor, you know, pick up put them away. <laughs> yeah. And there's all this kind of really kind of, there's a lot of like really sort of humanitarian messages coming up about, you know, mm. picking up your litter, be nice to people, and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> yeah. which I, I kind of, I, I, I've always liked it, but it, it, I kind of miss not having them on the screen anymore. So I think that the issue back then was
1: that not everybody had huge hard drives. I It came up for 60 gig, and this doesn't this require a, f- a fair portion of that? I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't know the this, this size of the install. but I can't actually remember now. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but yeah, like, four years down the line, it, the world has changed in regards to, yeah, we all kind of install stuff to the hard drives and want quicker loading time. So mm-hmm. it's just funny to see the, the apologetic nature back then where, yeah, four years down the line, we've really mm-hmm. changed.
0: And this does still have a few uh, quite a few little loading pauses while it unpacks stuff presumably from yeah. the hard drive, but nothing nothing nah. too difficult um Another thing we should talk about very quickly are, are the the, the pseudo t v uh adverts and programs that run mm. when you first start the game you can change change channels, but various different ones or these will run if you leave the game in a track mode um They look expensive uh and uh Jay you were saying they're made by a third party outside of Konami yeah they're made
2: by a company um i can't remember the guy who runs it because he has um uh eastern uh, quite a long eastern european surname but they, the the company's called logan um but they specialize in like advertisements and music videos and stuff and it it's I understand they're in there to add a flavor to the world and to set the scene and maybe to hide some loading screen or something but they're um you, I know you feel that
0: they ought to have spent that money elsewhere.
2: Yeah, I do. I, I think for what exactly how much they cost is unknown. But and and these days you can have quite impressive looking visuals for a relatively surprisingly small budget because yeah, the, you look at monsters. Yeah, you, or there's a lot of CGI in these these things. So it's it's kind of like the green screen. You know, they're just sat behind the green screen. Everything's CGI'd. But there was, you know, they obviously spent a a bit of cash on them, and it does make me think that that money would have been better spent. As with the whole game, these these are absolutely loaded with
0: um, sort of nods and winks to the to the game itself oh. and the series and little Easter eggs. And
1: I think that I think they're quaint, but they they seem very superfluous. They, yeah, yeah. Other than uh, and have, you know, I remember seeing at the time they were doing some of the the commercials as advertising things on websites and stuff. And they, it's one of those things that gather interest, but really in contextual with anything in metal gear solid 4 they yeah i don't maybe the creation of them came out of the advertising
2: budget spend rather than the game development that makes more sense and that that is something that you kind of think if you'd seen these like as viral videos originally they Mm. they certainly would have got your attention
0: um Um, it reminded me of the the sort of mock tv channels at the start of the original Mm. command and conquer all the all the way back when um so other things we need to talk about in Act 1 specifically are new mechanics. So uh, this time Snake can pick up dropped weapons from other people and get them once Drebin is introduced. A Ugandan with an American accent, apparently. Uh, he's a sort of magician as well. He does various magic tricks. A so typically sort of camp larger than life character. When I say camp, I don't mean he's effeminate. I mean he's campy. You can you've got the uh once again once introduced you have the solid eye which replaces all sort of previous face masks, so you've got uh a night vision button now basically which is night heat and everything all into one, mm-hmm. so player convenience as as is uh brought forward as with a lot of things and the control the general control method seems a lot more sort of forgiving, and I think you know there there was discussion that this game was sort of. Westernized, for want of a better term, the involvement of uh, former One Up and Famitsu writer uh, Ryan Payton on board, um, and there's also the the little Metal Gear Mark II, which again is both a, a gameplay thing and a, a sort of a, a plot propulsion thing, in that it means that you don't have to have all your conversations, all your codec chat in uh, stasis the game can keep moving while Otacon talks to you. He gives you hints. If you, get, if you start screwing up and, or get lost, he'll tell you where to go and stuff like this. So concessions to the modern gamer uh, away from the sort of traditionally quite, kind of awkward Metal Gear gameplay.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's like you said earlier, that they give you a lot of toys to play with in this game and they, they accommodate however you want to play this. Like if you want to run, and gun, shoot everybody in the in the level all- the arsenal you can get hold of by the end of the game is enormous <laughs> yeah exactly and then if you know if that's how you want to play the game everything that you need to do that is there if you choose to do it if you want to mm-hmm. go complete stealth it, everything you need to do that is there active camo yeah. that's of course another thing that is is new
0: to this game which is uh, saves a lot of the menu uh, wrangling that mm-hmm. happened in metal gear
2: solid 3 I think that well, the active camo looks. Uh, I mean, that's one of the things that really sort of stood out to me when I started playing was the visual side of that. the The, the technique of being able to uh, capture sort of textures from your surroundings and, and wear it, so to speak, is is even now it's still an impressive. It's very so, cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think you know, Westernization can come across as quite a dirty word to to a lot of people, but mm. I think in this in this instance, it was a, a, a good balance between keeping. A very Japanese East feel uh, to the whole project, as well as just just having some concessions. Like it, it doesn't it. I mean, I, I haven't played all the Metal Gear games back to back now. I, I I'm actually not struggling with the controls. So like, mm. I, it's it's odd for me because. But I remember way way back when that yeah you know, it was you know difficult and you'd be standing up and crawling when you didn't want to do it and all that kind of stuff um but i
0: just playing the whole series in six months will do that it'll yeah, <laughs> certainly help out I, um, with the muscle
1: memory but you know just you know say stuff like the active camera like the, the stuff there was it was there in metal gear solid 3 and i really liked it in metal gear solid 3 but i know a number of people hated it and actually refused to play the game because of it which is odd to me because you don't I, I think you can get away if you're if you're playing it stealthily actually not or even you know run and gun you can get away mm. of actually not messing around with a lot of that stuff but um yeah, I just think con- concessions aren't always a bad thing and, and having somebody come in and just saying, yeah, you you, you a, a wider audience can have more accessibility to this yeah, if you just change you more one to or two things.
0: Enjoy your story, then just just make these little changes. They're not going to make your game any
1: worse. But it is weird because like you say, I think coming into Metal Gear Solid 4 as your first experience to a Metal Gear Solid game is uh, you know, yes, it's probably the most the easiest one to to get into, but at the same time it will make no sense. Um, yeah,
0: even just going into the menu and changing your pack loadout for the, you know, in terms of the buttons that your your shoulder buttons bringing up the menu, even that's not that intuitive. It's not really explained. So there's a lot of weird stuff, like the fact that you can uh, equip an Apple iPod for apparently no reason, although it does turn out that some of the tunes uh, engender certain behaviors in the AI. <laughs> um You can collect tunes for it. You can download tunes for it. Uh, it's definitely there's Apple. Logo all over this game, by the way. Every computer, pretty Mm, much, apart from the retro ones. Um, Yeah, the iPod actually has uh, classic iPod style controls, with where the the analog stick replaces the the little spinny wheel. We got first
1: person shooting. Well, I I
0: think
2: the the iPod thing actually is an interesting. There's an interesting point with that as well, because similar to the way that Valve did the in-game commentaries by having those speech bubbles when you play on that particular mode. Uh, this has the podcast, which it tells yeah, you where integral. to play, where to play these podcasts, because they talk about the level as you're yeah. playing it. Which is, you know, it's like a it's a running commentary, which is is quite interesting to listen to at times as well.
0: They're still all there to download, mm. so you can still do that. As are a load of um, bonus camouflages and uh, various other stuff um, as I said, we can't express enough really just how many sort of unlockables and easter eggs and fun it's little crazy. trinkets and yeah. things there are to find and play with in this one, game
1: one move actually found myself using quite a bit and was always annoying when it wasn't in the others is the ability when you're on the ground prone to actually roll over left or right yeah um, i often forget but about that Rather than just kind of you know, I, I need to go forward and sideways and then back again to get into the position I need to be.
0: Yeah, and you can also, uh, as well as the, the usual cardboard box, there's also a, a rusty metal oil drum, which Johnny Sasaki has recently relieved himself in, mm-hmm. which you can uh, use to actually knock over people. There's a trophy attached to that now. Um, there, there is just a shed load of stuff to play with, and you know, particularly once you've played through once and you get the dolls from uh, Screaming Mantis, mm-hmm. where which actually allow you to control both the living and the dead. <laughs> you know it's like there's just and there's these crazy unlockable guns aren't there there's the solar gun and the uh, is it the Tagashima the- yeah Tanashima yeah. Tanashima sorry which uh,
2: gives you the power of wind or something oh, sorry I've got that wrong it's the Tanagashima. Tanegashi- Tanagashima.
0: Tenegash- yeah. yeah apologies to our Japanese listeners uh so yeah there's um these things cost money um there's uh, other easter eggs include things like visiting the drebin shop which you can do at any time and the, the story goes that your little trundly wally style metal gear mark 2 whizzes backwards and forth delivering guns to drebin selling them for drebin points and uh, delivering weapons that you've bought and ammo back to you um you can well, you can customize all your guns in a battlefield mm-hmm. battlefield 3 style um there was something I was particularly going to get out. Oh, yes, uh, Easter eggs such as uh, sales sales at Drebins every Wednesday and Sunday. That is in the real world. If it's Wednesday and Sunday, mm. you get money off. Stuff like this. Um, yeah, in, insane stuff. I suppose uh, another thing to address while we're still on Act 1 before we move on to the story is uh, the localization. I know this is something very close to Jay's heart in particular. Mm. Um, obviously, the fact is that Uh, We we understand that Snake is aging prematurely due to his uh, the fact that he's a a genetic uh, genetically created super soldier. I don't think we know exactly why we know he's been, but we later find out that he's been designed to only live a certain amount of time. The same with uh, Liquid and Solidus. Um, But it means that in the uh, English version, at least American and English, uh, David Hayter, who is already a controversial figure, has to put on. Or, or feels he has to put on a sort of I'm getting old snake voice, which
2: I think negatively impacts his performance. Um, I completely, well, I completely agree with that. Um, I've, I've never been, and I'll put this into some context as well with my Metal Gear thing. Ever since, the very first experience with Metal Gear was playing a Japanese demo, not playing the English language version. So I've gotten used to hearing Akio uh Japanese voice acting and hmm. apart from the fact that he, he's also i'm a, a fan of various anime characters that he's played throughout his career he's a better voice actor so his performance is better but not, and, and you can hear this you can hear it in even if you don't speak japanese you can hear it in his delivery in the way that he, he, he his intonation in the way that he deals with lines and this cuts across another character as well with otacon and christopher randolph but i have yeah. Massive issues with. I do not like David Hayter as a as a voice actor. I do not think he is of the standard of actor that this that this game now demands. That all games demand now. You can't have throwbacks to the nineties voice acting kind of tradition where it was like you didn't really need that. You just needed to do comical voices, you know, or, or whatever. It's just you know the, he comes from an age that voice acting was kind of a throwaway thing. It wasn't taken anywhere near the, the level of performance, ca- is seriousness that we've got now. And
1: The, the, the weird thing, though, isn't it? David Hayter, about then, I think, was probably a step above everything we had had mm-hmm. before. And mm. I think he was probably taking it a little bit more seriously, or it felt like the story was being taken a little bit more seriously and the delivery was being taken more seriously. Yeah, he was yeah.
0: creating the voice of a hard-bitten soldier, the, exactly what you'd have expected from, yeah. a, from an action hero video game yeah. person at, the, at that but, point. But
1: yeah. to back you up, I think, yeah, but clearly the world has caught up since 94, 94, 94? 95?
0: <laughs> 98, David 98, Hayter's first okay,
1: yeah. So yeah, I think the world has caught up since 98, um, and has clearly surpassed him as, as a voice actor, but his voice became so iconic with the series that I, I would find it very difficult to play a, a Metal Gear game without him doing that even if it's comical just mm. that version of his voice and um, being supplanted with somebody else of course you could argue that Metal Gear Solid 4 would be the perfect time to change that because an old snake could have a very different sounding voice well
0: indeed and uh, spoiler alert Big Boss does he was recast uh, so as not to have to play against himself in that scene but uh, the guy who voices Big Boss sounds like a man of that age uh, yeah. which which makes which makes sense. So, but yes, I think I, I think we sort of covered this recently in the Max Payne game. It was like it's like when they changed Max Payne's face from game one to game two. A lot of people didn't look, like it, even though it's like objectively it looks much better in the second game. But people were kind of fond of that Ridiculous. ridiculousness. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Catch twenty two. I think Kojima finds himself in there though because. Absolutely, yeah. It's so and iconic. I mean, you could you could play that voice. I'm not going to have to play the voice to anybody, that I know what it is. But I think most gamers, you could play David Hayter's voice and they get instantaneously, yes, that's Snake. Uh,
2: Absolutely. Maybe, maybe. But I think he, he, the performance is suffering. And, and thus, mm. because, I mean, he's obviously moving, it seems to be that in general, he's moving towards the more sort of story-driven, serious performance stuff that's got. I mean, you, you just... I know we might touch upon this later, but the Ground Zero trailer, for example, seems to be very heavily sense of, there's a sense of performance in those in, in what they've shown. And to have a voice actor that isn't up to it, becomes there will come a point where it becomes detrimental to the I character. I think it already has. The, I, think, you know, I, you I think agree, I think, it is. I think
0: How important how Emmerich Otticon is to this story and how many times Christopher Randolph's emotional acting is detrimental to the scene Mm. it's Mm. there's a real mix you've got I think negative aspects include um is it Christina Pacelli as playing a child so a fully grown woman playing a child that doesn't work for me I know it's done a lot um Mm. But you've also got good performances from Phil Lamar as Vamp. Um, yep. Quinton Flynn as Ryden this time, unlike in Metal Gear Solid 2, does a pretty good job. Jennifer Hale, who's all, you know the safest pair of hands you could have yep. as Naomi Hunter. So it, it's there, there are highs and lows, uh, I would say. Serious.
1: Yeah. I wonder as well with, with business sense, I think 4, it makes it would make total sense to, to kind of shake all that stuff up, bring new voice cast you know, actors in. Mm. You know, they, they've clearly pushed it up to an, another level with this game. But as a financial thing, obviously... Kajima. Konami needed this to be uh, a success, and yeah. so changing stuff like that, any kind of weird negativity towards it through you know a small thing such as the voice, although you know artistically it probably would have been the correct decision to make. I do wonder whether there's a bit of pressure from above to say, look, you, you can't fundamentally change who people believe Snake is. By changing his voice at this late in the game.
2: I think Um, that's a mistake of uh, I mean I understand that and I I think you're you're right. There is they they do feel the pressure of this, especially when the internet rallies against them. But the internet isn't always right. There's often a lot of yeah, exactly. And it's just sometimes pandering to the fanboy extremists, you know, they're not right. You know, having a better performance would be beneficial, period. And and you know, that's where I stand on (laughs) that. So yeah, fair
0: play. So, Act 2, Solid Sun. Uh, next, Snake's mission takes him to South America, uh, where he discovers that Vamp from Metal Gear Solid 2 is somehow still alive and working with Liquid. Uh, Snake manages to grab a consultation with Dr. Naomi Hunter, uh, who is still unclear as to who she's, which side she's on. Uh, she gives Snake six months to live. Uh, she also informs him of the rather inconvenient fact that during this time, um, because of the mutated fox die within him from the original uh, Metal Gear Solid mission, uh, he will become a pandemic-spreading bioweapon, which is not what you want to hear. Naomi is then taken, as Snake uh, fights and defeats, the first of Liquid's latest crop of lieutenants. This time it's the Beauty and the Beast Corps, or Snake Hound, uh, and this is Laughing Octopus. Uh, he acquires her face camo mask to aid his uh, ability to blend in with surroundings surroundings. Snake trails Naomi, um, but ends up having to be rescued by Drebin, Uh and they in turn have to be saved by Ryden, making his triumphant reappearance uh, before being badly wounded by Vamp, um, hacks apart some geckos in a in a famous
2: scene. Uh, highlights and comments from Act Two. Has to be, I think this is your initial meeting with the uh, which with the beauties and the beasts, I suppose. I mean, mm. uh, you they did crop up in the previous level, but this is where you yeah, actually you do face them in yeah, passing. Yeah, you, this is where you face off against them. I suppose this is the standout moment in that in the second section. Man. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, before again, I, I, I actually
2: quite like that the whole
1: scene with Snake and Naomi here, um, basically finding out the Snake himself is, you know, he has a fine night, amount of um, mm. life left in him. And I, don't know, I think that's quite, a, it's a big story point because, you know, normally you've been playing Snake. He, he's almost, in some respects, a superhero at this yeah, point he's to the player. Superman or Neo or Rambo or, you know, yeah. Um, and clearly, you know, you, you've taken him as old Snake at this point and, yeah, I mean, he's grabbing his back and he's in, and he's in pain. You're like, the mm. man's done his tour of duty. He deserves a rest, but he's not going to get one. Mm. But I, I kind of like this, the way it kind of, Forces the player to believe, actually, um, you know, he, he's only got a couple of months to live. Uh, this this task that he's been given needs to be done, in, and in fact, he becomes a huge threat to the rest of the world's existence mm. if he carries on living through the becoming yep. a bio
0: more of a threat than bio liquid, weapon. Ironically, yeah. It, um, but, yeah. The problem I have with this scene is uh, the fact that this uh, doctor has her blouse unbuttoned to her nose. <laughs> Why? It's hot. Just, just, just one or two buttons, you know, is is fine. Um, but, but the whole way, you know, is just O.T.T. It just kind of
1: undermines that scene as well, because it's actually I find it quite a touching scene between the two. Because Snake's undressed, he's out of his camo. You, know, you see his mm. aging chest. You can see that he's turned into an old man. Um, you know, and he's he's putting his almost a certain degree of faith into her that she's not going to do anything ridiculous to him. Mm. Um, well, and more either, than she already has, which yes, is um, she gave um, him the bloody virus in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So there, there's this weird kind of touching moment between them, and having her as open, I'd say bare chested, but yeah, the, the very I also have a problem with TV. her very
0: non-sort of medical professional uh, thing that she sort of shudders in horror as she sees his uh, his aging form, like as if she's never seen an old person before. It's uh, that's that's mm. a pretty gross moment. Not 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 snake looks gross. It's it's gross that she would the idea that she would do that.
1: But she knows, she's, she knows that she's responsible for that. Yeah, maybe, yeah,
0: I suppose you could say that's the motivation for the, for the, the horror. And the last time than, she
1: saw
2: him, yeah. he was just... Yeah, this, you
0: know. buff, yeah. I mean, that, that might be <laughs> He's it. still pretty buff.
2: It, it might be that it's not sort of revulsion, it's guilt, at least, Yeah, that reaction, yeah so. I,
0: I see that now. Yeah, no, fair um, comment.
2: The, the, there's, a, there's an interesting thing about that, though. I mean, r- r- right from the very beginning, it uh, when this game came out, how it how unique it was to a certain to the general sort of playing public to have an old character as your as your protagonist mm. and then to be told he's dying as well and there was you know th- this stuff played into the trailers because i think that one of the the first official trailers had that scene with Naomi saying that you know you've only got months to live it was just so unusual at the time to to for kojima to even <sighs> You know, to take that approach, and it, was- it is
0: so true. People, you know, we talk. Uh, you know, a lot of us more liberally minded uh, organs outlets of gaming talk about the fact that there are there's a lack of representation of gay people, the mm-hmm. disabled, black people, various s- sets of society. But the elderly, for obvious reasons, when you know a lot of games are action based, are pretty much ignored by gaming. Mm-hmm. Only you know, in 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 passing. So yeah, uh, unusual and quite a brave and interesting move because it does open up this whole scene and the subsequent story does open up thoughts of you know
2: uh, mortality and mm. existentialism and things like that so well that's apparently an underlying theme of the game isn't it in general is is what's left after you die what yeah. you leave the next generation and legacy. Is a yeah. thing that's right, yeah, it's it's been,
1: yeah i mean the series has, has been based around pretty much the entirety of that they're always talking about legacy and mm. you know and then there's, and then some
0: big titted woman comes on and dressed like an octopus because <laughs> it's another gear. <laughs> so, uh, yes, the, uh, we'll talk about, because there's, uh, the, the bosses that, um, kind of all have certain things which go across each of them. So, uh, we'll discuss that now as, mm. as there are four of these fights, but they all share these things in common. So, um, they, <clears throat> There's the, the, the four animal types that you'll, you'll know from Metal Gear Solid, as we say. So you've got the octopus, the the, uh, the wolf. Raven. The raven and the... Um, Mantis. Mantis, correct, yes. Uh, and they each have, whether this is fan service or, or humour on Kojima's part, they each carry the same emotion into battle as one of the Metal Gear Solid 3 bosses. And I believe they each have a weapon which relates to a previous uh, Metal Gear boss as well. So I think um, like the, the, the electric gun comes from um, Fortune, Fortune yeah. in Metal Gear Solid 2 and so on. So they, these are kind of a medley, a mishmash of previous bosses, um, which seems to me as a kind of feels like an in-joke as it is. But then for me, Kojima kind of cements this home even further by after each boss fight, Drebin comes on the... Uh, Codec and tells you a tragic story, a ridiculously melodramatic tragic story of the backstory of each of these beautiful uh, women turned psychopaths. Um, And the story is being told in such a way as it's almost like, is it legend? Is it just a big old crock of shit? Um, I thought this was really interesting. And the fact that each of the bosses takes this um, form once you defeat their sort of animal state, which is their sort of bio- uh, mechanoid enhanced state they become simply a walking woman a woman who is walking slowly towards you and you have to take her out quite brutally and she curls up in the end in the fetal position whether you kill her or knock her out Trank her, yeah. Trank her. and then your reward is a is a, a massive fucking gun which seems to me like a, a massive sort of piss take from Kojima of video game conventions and possibly Metal Gear conventions as well
2: I, I wouldn't pull it past him with this um i got to say as well, with, with, this, with, with all these boss fights, they have the best Easter eggs. Go on. They only come into play when you she reveals her second form, but then if, if it's the case of you just keep running away from them, don't, don't let them get you, don't shoot them, and you just keep going. Eventually, the screen whites out, and you go into this basically white zone, mm. and she's still there, she's still coming towards you. But then if you put your iPod on and play... Um, the song by two hand princess, they start dancing and it's just, it's, it's totally stupid, but you can't help but be amused by it. Also, Mm. if you pull out the camera, they start to pose.
0: Yeah. And the boss fights themselves, um, they are, uh, the usual sorts of things set in uh, a fixed arena location of, Mm. of, some kind. Um, they each have their own, uh, sort of technique for taking them out. um, octopus here she uh, sort of uses her camo to merge in with um c- scenery paintings uh, mm-hmm. machinery and sort of
1: pop out at you and yeah, it's quite creepy night vision is your friend or yeah. night stroke heat vision is your friend and these right. you can just see her being within the environment, but if you turn it off, um, it is quite freaky because you mm. she'll be becomes part of a painting, for instance. Yeah. Uh, and you you even see the painting on your wall, and you think that looks kind of weird. And then without the the heat on there, in case she jump down at, at you, so
0: your only consideration your your um of using night vision all the time is that you do have a, a battery. Yeah. Um. One of the other things we didn't talk about in in the opening, uh, other sort of mechanical devices that are new to the series here or in this game are uh you have a psych bar which we did talk about before because it returned in peace walker
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um this is affected by your basically your your mood your stress level Mm -hmm. um it goes up and down in amusingly in cutscenes, depending on what things are happening to snake at the time um and you've also got considerations of things like uh temperature and light and wind speed is that right
2: in the, in, the, in the battlefield. Yeah, I think it, it, this is very dependent on the difficulty you're playing as to how, yeah, how much, much it, it, affects it affects you. Yeah. As, as do so many things with this game. It, it really does dramatically change the gameplay depending on the difficulty you're playing. Absolutely. Um, the boss yeah. fights themselves, for example. I mean, you, you fight Octopus on easy or very easy and she's it is literally that. She doesn't do a lot. But you, as soon as you turn that to normal, you see a difference. She starts batting away shots with the tentacles. She, as, she... as soon as she fires the ink cloud to hide, these little homing, uh, like missile thing, bomb things start coming after you. And mm. there's, you know, and it, it just gets harder and harder. It's quite noticeably different in terms of the way that these fights play out, and that cuts across everything from the soldiers in the battlefield as well their reactions yeah. completely changed to how you, uh, depending on the difficulty.
0: Yeah, I started again on, um, just to see, after completing it, on the second difficulty up, which is a, pretty much a doddle, mm. um, to play Big Boss Extreme mode. And, yeah, it's like a different game. Mm. It's, it's not just telling you a story anymore. It's a demanding stealth puzzle action game. Yeah, you
2: have to play the, the harder settings in stealth. I mean, you cannot go into this with combat in mind, because you will get
1: annihilated. Yeah it is refreshing isn't it because so many games rely on just okay well the the boss has more more health yeah, um yeah. maybe they might be able to hear you from a, a greater distance um but there's there's really only a handful of games where the the entirety of the gameplay really feels like it changes up i mean you know we we've cited mm. halo many a times but playing that on legendary is a completely different game than just running and gunning it through on on easy or even mm-hmm. on normal yeah um but metal gear games i have always done with this but more even more so this like you said the wind conditions can affect can affect yeah. you and the temperatures and all that all that stuff I mean i,
0: I, I stress level goes up when you're in the light you know is mm. that there's that much to think about and, and so and many it, layers his
2: back starts hurting when you crouch too long and stuff like this it's it's surprising because we, we, we mentioned earlier that you have a huge inventory a huge selection of weapons and, and all kinds of stuff not just weapons mm. but just extra stuff and a lot of that comes into play more when you play on the harder settings because that's when you start to see how useful some of the stuff that you wouldn't even look at in easier difficulties. Yeah, you know, so there's one item which
0: um, you can use bec- like because of their link nanomachines to
2: discover where other soldiers yeah, are. Yeah, the scanner like plug. This. So, you know, in, in easy settings, you don't, you wouldn't even need this. You don't, no. you don't need it. Um, but in harder ones, if you can grab a guard, you inject him with this, and it will highlight on the map... In th- you know, in your sort of main screen, you will see them through walls. You will see anybody who's connected to this nano machine system, the SLP. Mm. But this and this is it. a lot of people have um you know talked about how long each and every one
1: of these kind of shows have been based on the Metal Gear games, and they have been clearly the longest ones from in the series or any of the games that we've covered so far. But there's so many different layers and so much depth to to discover. It. So many AAA games to use a crappy term. Um, you can take pretty much on face value. You know, they, they look beauty, beautiful. Um, but you know, it is very much a case of point A to B to C all that kind of wonderful mm. stuff mm. where metal gear, whether people like it or not, I mean, it's what is strange from a, a lot of, you know, an industry where they're focused so much on get it out there, maximum profits time and time again. Um, you know, they could easily have done that with any metal gear games. They just, you know, this is what it is. You run through the game. Like we've all done probably on our first playthroughs and that's that. And it takes a brave developer to actually, even a braver publisher to pump the money in for stuff like you're you're talking about there, which is you know if you stay in the sun too long, um, it's going to affect your psyche. I mean, how much money does that really actually cost
2: in the end? I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily. It's a programming thing. I I see. I I don't wonder if it is a really a money question, or really whether it's the developer deciding that he's not going to, you know, with somebody like Kojima, he's always. He's always pushed things. He's always like doing codec numbers on the backs of boxes. Mm. But it, it, I mean, I agree. It
1: wouldn't be a Metal Gear Solid game without it. And this is why this mm. franchise is so unique compared to so many others. But having the balls in some respects to say, OK, we're, we're going to continue this on even, you know, into the PlayStation 3 area um, era... Um, and having a a publisher and a and um, you know the developer that stands behind him says yes okay you can spend the extra time to implement all this stuff rather than just mm. you getting it out there as a game I franchise think what it is does refreshing. Is,
0: although it it will alienate some you know people will come to this game and go what the fuck is going on both you know in terms of the narrative the cuts the mm. length of the cutscenes and some of the crazy gameplay stuff. But what it does mean is that the fans the stuff the people who love this stuff mm-hmm. like Jay like Paul Rooney absolutely will you know just lap it up and they will buy every game in the series and they will be you know the hardest core of fans because they feel like they're being rewarded and invested in by the creators like like so many other franchises don't like you know games that just feel like they're being Mm -hmm. knocked out to satisfy a demand rather than being created with all this skill and care and love Mm. the last thing we should talk about from that act, then, is that uh, just briefly the infamous return of Raiden scene? Um, I think widely mm. considered as a as a bit of a fuck you uh, by mm. Kojima to the naysayers regarding uh, the fact that you played this uh, slightly whiny um pretty boy for yeah. most of Metal Gear Solid Two. Um, it's an extremely well choreographed scene uh, in which he does bring that katana back that he had at the end of Metal Gear Solid 2 and use it
1: to some seriously impressive effect on a whole load of uh, geckos. Yeah, you've struggled to take down one, maybe two, just to sneak past him he comes in and destroys, what, 20?
2: <laughs> at least half a dozen. Yeah. I, I often get amused by this because there was, there was a fair few naysayers out there who dismiss twin snakes for it's over the top action sequences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. end up with this and it's just, it's just, it's like that times 10, isn't it? It's just totally. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's pretty cool. It certainly wins. It won me over. And that combined with the sort of more mature voice performance. Um, I did think, yeah, Ryden's actually pretty cool in this game rather than being mm. a whiny git. Act three, third son. Liquid's plan to control the system. Does it actually have a name? It's the AI. You well, know, it's the
2: Sons of the Patriot system,
0: isn't it? Matt? Okay, mm-hmm. SOP system, mm. right. Uh, requires the cells of Big Boss's corpse, which we learn is still, in bits, being sustained in Eastern Europe. Uh, Snake tracks the underground resistance, uh, led by Metal Gear Solid 3 character Tatiana, a.k.a. Ava, a.k.a. Big Mama, uh, she tracks uh, he tracks down her men through the streets to find the bits of big boss, uh, however, he himself is tailed this time by liquid's uh, scarabs uh, and once again snake is forced to flee this time on big mama's bike he has to fight the th- uh, the, the next beauty which or beast which is ra- a raging raven atop a tower uh, a flying beast as you can imagine. Uh, sadly, it seems that Snake's efforts are for nothing as Liquid, Vamp and Naomi, back on the bad side, managed to get hold of Big Boss's remains, allowing Liquid to demonstrate his Guns of the Patriots initiative in the Volta River in an extremely long cutscene. Uh, meanwhile, Big Mama dies from wounds received uh, in a bike chase, which ends much the same way as it did in Metal Gear Solid 3 only, fatally this time. Um, and they fail as far as we know to protect the corpse of big boss Mm -hmm. act three then um very different atmosphere to previous metal gear solids and metal gears um totally new environment which is the streets of a sort of
2: prague-like city it's the slowest paced level Mm -hmm. for sure Mm. because you you don't feel to a certain degree you're having to wait for the character that you're following all the time to move forward before you can then progress um that it's not—that's not strictly true because you can actually run off ahead of him and take everybody out, and then come back and, and wait for him to move forward. And you know, but um, yeah, it is quite a different. It's, it's quite—I guess this guy—he it, it plays heavily on the stealth thing, which is you know, by default, Snake is dressed in Young Snake
0: active camo at this point, oh. um, which I. I thought was uh, like set, but it's not. You can just go back to using whatever yeah. gear you want to use, but it does um, make
1: it. It gives it this whole sort of noirish. Yeah, tonally, it, it's tone, correct. Yeah. I, and I know Jay was talking about. I mean, clearly, in twenty second time, you will probably use the best equipment you've got. But um, you know, I, I always liked using because he looks like a, a cop uh, following. Mm following a yeah, like know, a, a pri- private a PI. detective yeah maybe. like yeah. a pi and i think every time i changed him into a different outfit i was like oh yeah it just doesn't work with it this does level. it does ruin the atmosphere a bit yeah um but yeah i mean i i, I just love the tonal change actually because metal gear is very much it's, it's been about you know the warehouses around the world or even if even in this one it plays a little bit on the battlefield um going into a A civilized area um Mm. you know of prague um with street lamps and Mm. it's it's got kind of like a a misty foggy feel to it Mm. um you know the colors are very muted um and yeah although it's a sneaking gameplay it it feels very different from anything you've really done in metal gear before purely maybe because of one of the pacing which i think it is probably it's too slow for me personally but um yeah, it's unique. It's one of the levels that actually did stand out to me. You know, going back to it now, is, oh, I have got to play through that level again because that was that was actually quite interesting. Uh,
0: and again, I understand Jay that uh, this uh, is pretty much a piece of piss on the lower difficulties. While on the higher settings, mm-hmm. the street patrols that enforce of PMCs that enforce the curfew uh, make this this uh, a very an exercise in patience and timing.
2: Yeah, I mean it's. It- as, as we've already mentioned about the, the the game as a whole, it changes significantly. i played this on Big Boss Extreme. I have played the game on the Big Boss Extreme mode, and this was... It, it's one of them that, because I used to play it a lot on the easy settings to basically hoard or grind all the weapons so I can get it, buy all the expensive stuff from Jebben's shop, mm. and then jump straight into Big Boss Extreme, it is a disturbingly different game, especially on this particular area, because... There's street patrols, armored vehicles that are patrolling around at, at a fair regularity. So you, you can't, you've, you know, you have to pay close attention to, um, you know, your, your camo index. The fact that it's things like you, when you're using night vision, you can't necessarily tell when you're standing in the light or under a street light. So mm. it's, it's having to keep switching back and forth to make sure you're in shadow, even if you, you know, you're you, you camoed up. We
0: also haven't uh, described the, the, the system that sort of by default replaces the soliton. So rather than vision cones in this game, you've got a circular sort of overhead, which shows mm. your sort of your um, footprint, your audio footprint, basically. Um, and the it highlights where there are people around you, but it doesn't necessarily show you which way they're looking. Um, and yeah, on the lower difficulties, the, the streets are kind of dotted with sleepy troops mm. but um an occasion the occasional car patrol but yeah uh this this is the probably the most stealthy of the stealth levels mm. from what i could see um the you can actually uh, you pointed this out to me jay that you can actually spot that you are being tailed ahead of time yeah. you don't know that uh, this is not highlighted but there's you see a little uh, what you think is a guy in a coat peering around a corner makes his appearance in the cutscene but it is in fact these scarabs who are spheres with three sort of leathery humanoid arms um, they were stacked up to create the form of a human in an almost cartoon style but uh, these are another really cool
2: enemy in this game I thought that are really creepy there are, there are interesting sort of Juxtaposition against the geckos, which are these sort of twenty-foot-tall biomechanical robots.
0: They're more like something out of a of of an '80s video game, where you know surreal enemy Mm. sprites were used a lot because you know it was something that would make them distinctive and stand out. And but here you've got these bizarre things inserted in this, you know, fairly realistic world. The other thing we should talk about in this scene, um, uh, sorry, this act is the. it's obviously it's a it's a topic for the whole game, and it's something that stops people, well, even liking the Metal Gear series. In this game, in particular, the the cutscene that ends the
2: act is really long. Well, it's kind of there's two major cutscenes within this one section, isn't there? Because there's the, the one where you meet Big Mama. In the first thing he's yeah, and that's um, yeah, it's a Sam, heavy, is the uh, pretty yeah. stunning bike chase, which we should yeah,
0: if
1: we decide well. how long. I, uh, there's so many reports about oh, which is well, the longest. I, I do
2: think that the, that is the, is the the one that ends this sequence, is possibly the longest one in the game. It's We're talking more than an hour, though, aren't we? Yeah, it's yeah, about
0: yeah. an hour. Um, critics say he needs an editor. <laughs> <laughs> you you lap this
2: stuff up, Jay, don't you? I do, I, mean, I do, and I think that you look at say the Resident Evil games, which are arguably, you know, a fairly long-standing franchise. They've changed so much, and they don't necessarily keep ties. They, they're, you know, things like the Umbrella Corporation and stuff are, are just these tenuous links from game to game. But here's a, here's a series that it really does follow through, not just in the story, but in the mechanics. There, there's a familiarity with the Metal Gear game. If you've played through, as you guys have, the whole series... It still feels like they're maintaining what it was. Like it's a recognisable Metal Gear game. There's something that clicks straight away to anybody who's played previous games. But he does. He goes one further with that in that he he, he does a damn good job in this game to tie up a 25. Well, at the time it was 21 years. But mm. you know, a story that it, and, and this game references right back to the very first Metal Gear. Oh yeah. You know, so it. I can't think of a single developer that would have put that much thought and, and effort into trying to tie things up. Whether he succeeds entirely is debatable, but I think he mm. does a better than I could have expected job of doing so. Now that was only ever going to happen with these long exposition cutscenes, And I totally go with it. I am not, I have never had an issue with them because once I've played through once I can skip, I mean, you can skip them on your first play through. You don't, you're not, you're not Held to watching these, I, I I would not understand the logic of skipping them at all if you've never seen them before. Like the first playthrough, you have to watch them. You have to at least try to get a, a bearing on what the hell's going on. Otherwise, it, it would just baffle the hell out of you.
0: Yeah, Tony, what what do you do? How do you feel about the, the length of cutscenes in this game in general, um, and what what the critics say, and and what the what the fans say?
1: The problem is, there's so many angles to approach this. Um, as it's Metal Gear Solid Four, I, I think it's churlish to kind of criticise of um, Kojima tying all these uh, angles and aspects together. And like Jay says, I, I I think it's you know as a fan of the series, like I, I enjoy the cutscenes because you know I'm I'm invested in these characters. You know, as far as we know, this is going to be the last game. It, it's picking up, you know, twenty five years. Well, at that point, you know, twenty odd years of mm. of stuff and and tying it all together. And you know, I. In some respects, I appreciate that because you know I, I love story in games, so the more the better. But from somebody from a different angle, I, I think you can say, you know, and, and I found this even on my first playthrough, that I actually think there's a legitimate case to be made that it affects the gameplay. I, I think asking a player to put down a controller for north of an hour is, uh, I can't think of any other game that's done it. Um, you're almost you know it's not even a case of it being an interactive movie although yes you can move the camera around in, in some of the cutscenes and, and do some funny little bits but ultimately you are being told to sit there for an hour and watch mm-hmm. this i mean i i, I feel like i because I, I know jay and me don't necessarily agree with this i think it affects pacing like you'll you'll you're get involved in in how snake controls and, and where you are and where you're guiding with the story all of a sudden you're being told to put down the controller for 45 minutes, watch something as, as impressive as they are. And then we'll, we'll move on. And, and quite often you'll go then into a mission briefing, which are quite long in, in themselves uh, before you even get into the, the next areas. And it's, it just, I, I, at times I feel like it brings the gameplay down to a grinding halt, which is, you know, ultimately this is an interactive entertainment, uh, I don't think it's inexcusable, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's at the benefit of the game on occasions. The, the problem with Jay has is of course, that he's played the gameplay so many times that the cutscenes at this point, you're like, you just, yeah, sure, skip them. But the first time through, I found myself being like, okay, yeah, I get the point. And he just lingers too, on too many shots, too too many times. I think, you know, we've, we've discussed this, what, we've got nine hours of cutscenes around yeah, there? around there. I mean, yeah, yes, there's there's a lot of ties that he needs the needs to bring back but that's the entirety of the Lord of the Rings trilogy.
0: In terms of playing through the game once, if you did only play it through once, you would be watching more than you were playing and, and a lot of people will argue that that is unforgivable for something that calls itself a video game from my point of view I was actually, I think it's a case where expectations uh, go such a long way because after hearing for four years how inordinately long these cutscenes were, combined with the fact that albeit I think still think some of it's, you know, a lot of kind of campy cartoony nonsense. I have become invested because I've played through these games in the last six months. I have become, you know, attached to the story in whatever way, even though sometimes elements of it are are annoying or stupid or whatever. Some of it's really cool. Some of it's fun. Some of it's interesting. And so I didn't find that I was bored. I was, I was expecting to be bored, but I, I honestly almost never was. Um, But I can totally understand that for a lot of people, it's just too much. There's just too much. But
1: but I I think the bigger issue here is, I mean, it's a stylistic choice and, you know, games can do whatever they want to do. And this is just one legitimate way that you can present a game. And and I'm behind him on that. I just think he... He can be better at it. I think oh, yeah. Metal, Gear, yeah. Metal Gear Solid 3 is a prime example where that had a lot of cutscenes, but where they were snappier, they got their point across um, more elegantly. I think he, he he's just one of these um, creators where I don't. He needs somebody to sit next to him and say, Do you need that shot? Do you need this shot? Can we not just speed this up? Can this be pacier? And, and with that. Do you need to he, show all 18 boats? Approaching the river, and stopping. It, 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 you know, <laughs> to say that I want less content is a is a weird thing to do. But at the same time, you know, there's a reason. There's editors out there because if everybody were given the chance, okay, we're just going to film the entirety of this book word for word, and, and yeah. every scene be what it needs to be. Like then you you've got a you know a, a ten fifteen hour film which nobody wants. Turn it into a CV, a TV series if if that is the case. But translating um, written content which clearly he has a lot, of, a lot of backstory he wants to tie in and making it into something that is um, accessible via a viewer is a difficult thing. And I think he's, he's, got, he's got it right on many of his games because I do like the longer cutscenes. I just think he, he goes over the top on this and loses a little bit of vision of what Metal Gear is and loses a little bit of pace. And I think at times it's a detriment to actually playing the game itself. To the point that you were
2: nodding off, Tony. Well, I'm I'm going to disagree that I think he loses the vision in terms of what Metal Gear is. I think he has a very clear vision. I think what I would agree that he could do with it, and maybe this is a job for where David Hayter can actually be of fucking use to uh, Metal Gear in that he is a scriptwriter. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think it's he's obviously influenced heavily by movies, and movies can get a point across far quicker in a far tighter time frame. And I think that's where he needs to, because, like, uh, you know, right at the very beginning of the game, when you first meet Drebin, there's this whole two or three minute sequence where Otacon's explaining the mechanics to you that are irrelevant to the game. But it's just, it's put out in such minute detail, like every single aspect of it, like how, you know, the Mark II is supposed to get the, the, the you pick up your weapons and take them to Drebin. it just, it does feel at times unnecessary. And there's probably a quicker, more streamlined way of writing the dialogue to get the same point across. And I think that's where he, that's I, what well, they could do with. I think the code they
1: they've relied heavily on the codec system in the past to do that. And I, I feel like in some respects they've brought the codec system into actual I know, would into rather a have a good scene than a codec screen because a
0: codec screens are boring. I mean was I, it, I was it Carl who was saying um that uh, if you added up the codec times from Metal Gear Solid Two, it would probably yeah. equate to close to the cutscene times of Metal Gear mm-hmm. Solid Four.
2: Yeah,
1: quite possibly, but you know, I I, I prefer it the other way around. I'm for, not the <laughs> what I what I'm finding so difficult to to deal with is that you know I I seem to want less content than I don't because the Metal Gear franchise is built on this kind of stuff. Mm. But I just think that it you know nine hours plus of cutscenes. When you you know, we've managed to tell the, the entirety of the Lord of the Rings trilogy in the same yeah. amount of time and think how much stuff is in there. I don't think, you know, although the story is complex, I don't think he presents so much stuff that it needed nine hours. I think, yes, he could have easily what if I say to you he could easily chop
2: four hours out of that, would you but here's disagree? The, thing, the Lord of the Rings films don't get across all the stuff that's in the book. To get the yeah. book stuff, you would be spend more than nine hours reading them.
0: I've often heard it said by more literary-minded friends of mine, that uh, Tolkien was an author who needed an editor. Ironically enough.
1: Oh, J.K. Rowling, i always remember, You know, she was struggling with the, her books getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it. I think she changed editor at, at some point because, and the way she described it was that she almost became too big to be edited. Like, you know, who who's going to um, have a, mm, a have, have an argument? Yeah. yeah, to turn around and say no, you can't do this when she's doing one of the biggest franchises of all time. I just feel like Kajima has been given enough rope that you know, whether he hangs himself I don't believe but enough rope to try and tie that around his up. yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's just like I, for me I think they're too long for Jay I can understand I, I can even understand somebody saying actually they, they could be more and you know, I want more content delivered to me but to me it has a number of issues
0: I think yeah, it's definitely a, you know it's definitely a sticking point for mm. a lot of people, and people will make up their own minds. But the, the facts are definitely out there mm. um, as regards to the uh, the size and length of these cutscenes. Um, and uh, yeah, people will have to decide for themselves whether they feel there's enough game in there to support that if they're not if they're not so interested in the cutscenes. So, Act Four Twin Sons. Uh, pretty grim at this point. Liquid's victory seems assured as Snake and Co. are at their lowest ebb yet. However, data from a stowaway, Metal Gear Mark II, the little robot dude who was in stealth mode, uh, affords a lead to the site of the original Metal Gear Solid, Shadow Moses Island, in the Fox Arch- Archipelago, as I recall. Here, Snake is haunted by his past as he defeats Crying Wolf, the next of the Beauty and the Beast outfit. Snake and Raiden finally defeat Vamp by suppressing his healing nanomachines. Naomi reveals that she has terminal cancer before immediately dying of it. Uh, Liquid has taken the railgun from the defeated Metal Gear Rex. Handily, it wasn't significantly damaged. Uh, That very Metal Gear that we killed all those months ago. Uh, He needs this railgun to complete his massive Outer Haven warship, which emerges from the Bering Sea. As solid and liquid duel in a spectacular fight involving Metal Gear's Rex and Ray, an ever more defeated Snake and severely wounded Raiden. He has what was, he has an arm missing at this point, yeah. which he hacks yeah. off himself. Uh, he's His with tra-
1: revamp didn't go too well, did it? In no. previous act?
0: Trapped under a boat, <laughs> a massive boat. <laughs> um, I thought he was actually dying. At the I thought that I thought he was going to die. Um, but they are extracted by helicopter. As once again, liquid gets away with the things that he wants. So just when you thought things couldn't get any worse, uh, things get a whole lot worse. Now, this is probably the most famous act because you know, people love mm. nostalgia. Um, we've actually managed to avoid using the uh, the term fan service in this podcast so far, but there it is. Uh, there's a lot of loving references, a recreation of... Uh, that that base that most people was most people's entry en- entry to the Metal Gear Solid series and the Metal Gear series, um, and including there's a flashback scene before the act properly starts where you actually play a little tiny section of the PS1 uh, Metal Gear Solid. Um, I I loved this act. I loved going back mm. to uh, the base from Metal Gear Solid. It was cool and it looked amazing. It was, I think it was almost, it was particularly cool that you have that flashback sequence because although it's only um, a few months since I last played that, um, because, you know, once you do get immersed in a game from whatever era, as we did with Metal Gear Solid, and I think we all thoroughly enjoyed it, uh, your brain does start to fill in the gaps as regards to the graphics Mm -hmm. again. But when you're confronted with that, stark contrast of the ps1 graphics which were fantastic for the time yeah uh with the ps3 uh, the fox engine uh it's like wow games have come quite a long way in quite a short time mm. visuals have anyway
2: i'm not I'm exactly in the same boat this is by far my favorite level and, and in part i think it is it is due to the nostalgia trip you you get you spend most of that level thinking, "Oh, if they remade Metal Gear in this engine, doing all this, it'd be like, <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know." But it's the moment. I mean, you get dropped in a in a sort of a fairly snow blind field, but as you exit that area, the um, the snowstorm sort of dissipates, and and then you know, well, a piece of music very familiar to anybody who played Metal Gear One. Yes, yeah, the end theme, isn't it? The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. That's right. It starts to play, and it sort of raises in volume as. The closer you get to the area, and then as you sort of over go through this little sort of gully, you unveils the um, the helipad and stuff, and it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's a nigh on perfect moment in this game. I I just think uh, the, the first time I saw this, I was like, wow, that's just it's just spot on you know and then there's lots of there's literally throughout the entire level there's references to the original game and little mm-hmm. flashback moments audio flashbacks there are flashbacks throughout the game
0: we've not mm. said this um that during cutscenes you stab the x button to see very very brief sequence f- frames from previous moments in the saga but here uh, it's when you hit certain areas isn't it you trigger uh voice yeah. samples basically from old com- you know Exchanges
1: from the original game. It's uh, it's very cool. I wanted. I I I really wanted the guards to be in the same place. (laughs) (laughs) There the first time, and they do neat stuff like you walk up to where the camera would normally see you, and the camera's up on the wall, and kind of break happens just a break of the wall at that precise moment. Naturally, it was the vibrations. Uh,
0: Yeah, Yeah. but the base is kind of unmanned now. It's it's been abandoned since Mm -hmm. the events of. They did a terrible
1: job of dropping a nuke on it then.
0: Uh, absolutely rubbish. Yes, there, that is a bit of a plot hole because mm. the fact that Metal Gear X is still sitting there with its ray gu- rail gun uh, just—I oh, would we'll just take that—and uh, yes, supposedly the whole place got uh, the, the planes got sent in, which was why Snake was and Meryl were shitting themselves to get out of there in time. But yes, yeah, uh, it looks pretty much exactly the same. Um, but yes, it's manned by mostly now by the uh, s- scarabs. Uh, there are. Hundreds in some rooms mm. or seemingly, uh, I think, again,
1: there's
0: a bit of a smoke and mirrors effect going on again because only a few of the scarabs are actually sort of in active gameplay, but the, they, they use an effect where the room can be crawling with them like no, insects.
2: Well, here's the thing with this bit. They, they will all respond, but in, in groups. So you're, you're uh-huh. right in the terms of that there's only a few that will attack you. But once you've taken those out, the next wave will come in yes. and you can literally go through. Uh, it takes about 10 minutes to take every one of them out and go through because they'll keep coming. They'll drop out from the vents I as well. So they spawn so. forever, don't they? No, no, yeah. no, not in that particular area. It's later on towards okay. the, on the final level, they'll, they'll just keep spawning. All oh, uh, right, but you can clear? You can totally clear out that, that initial hangar. Oh, okay
0: yeah you can go in through the the same tunnels as you went in mm-hmm. uh, the first time some of the rooms are still there they've got items in different items uh yeah several of the key locations are, are recreated um and yeah they're entirely recognizable so uh, in in a scene which sort of mirrors uh, the sniper wolf battle although it's very different is the crying wolf battle also in a in a snowy field um, and she's also uh, aided by troops isn't she so she's yeah. not alone.
2: This is something that a lot of people have criticised the game for which is that all the boss fights are basically just regurgitations of prior boss fights it's never been an issue of criticism and I actually find the boss fights depending on how you want to approach them can be can play out quite differently as well it's a pretty different battle to the to the snipe
0: wolf battle because uh, crying wolf is in a giant, uh, <laughs> giant. exoskeleton <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and fires rockets at you, and she's not she's not plus you're uh, surrounded
1: by these frog troops. Mm. I think yeah the highlight of the boss battles have been from Metal Gear Solid. He, he managed just tonally maybe to get it right. Um, they were all interesting and, and yeah all the characters had interesting backstories and they would you know, as they died they would tell you. I think he's always been chasing what was so right with those boss battles. And I think, you know, he comes back and, and clearly, yes, there's, there's aspects that have taken from the original Metal Gear Solid game. Um, and I kind of I like him tying it in, but I, I, it's almost like an acknowledgement of, yes, you know, we, we hit our peak, strangely, with Metal Gear Solid. Um, and we've been chasing, you know, those boss... You know, because there's some The Sniper Wolf one, for instance, for me, I I'd loved her, her backstory, how she was born on the battlefield. Um... You got Psychomantis clearly. You know he comes back again as well in the, in the later stage in this. So I, I always feel like he's been chasing better boss battles in in, in Metal Gear Solid franchises, um, and hasn't quite hit it. So it's it's odd. It's almost like an omission that coming back to the world again. And certainly when you're in the same environment again, where this you know the first battle went down, it it kind of maybe kicks it home at a different level.
0: He may well also be having a pop at detractors who have said. Uh, yeah, your bosses haven't been as good since Metal Gear Solid. So he's just sort of like, All right, have the same ones again. Exactly, <laughs> you know, they're they're not but they're they're you know, they're different. They've got they've got the same animal names and as I say they, they also refer back to other bosses mm. from other games. But um I think I think the battles are distinctive enough. It definitely is. There's there's elements of both fan service and fan trolling, I think, but or detractor trolling maybe. But um uh, and there are two significant boss battles in this act because you also have the the final 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 probably battle until he comes back in Metal Gear Solid Five um, vamp fight, uh, which involves. It's actually once you know the technique, it's not very difficult. But um, he effectively has a healing factor um, due to his nano machines, which is he's not really immortal. He's mm. he's it's kind of it, again if you think about it too hard, it, isn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But because uh, well, it's no. nanomachines, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, in the end, you have to uh, actually CQC him. Uh, we haven't really talked about the CQC in this. I don't tend to use it a lot uh, and uh, inject him with the nanomachine suppressor, which allows you to finish him off. And that is the end of Vamp, possibly, probably.
2: No, I would, I would be more than – I'd be shocked if he ever makes a reappearance other than in a flashback. <laughs> um, but it, it is quite an interesting fight. I guess he it, it follows suit with all Metal Gear games in that they don't tell you. And this is something that he, he basically just lets the player experiment to a point. And I think if you've died so many times, then you'll get the codec call where, you know, yeah. where Otacom will say. Cause That's I, what happened
0: to me. It's, exactly. It's a, well,
2: this it's, is a, it's a puzzle. And, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you need to uh, use some natural
0: thinking, which I failed to do in this. Yeah, I'm the same. The very first time I couldn't figure it out, I'm thinking,
2: what am I doing wrong?
0: Again it's uh, it's video game yeah, established yeah. that he's a boss, so he might have more than one health bar. Um, he's obviously and at some point, you know, he he keeps healing himself, but you're just thinking, well, at some point a cutscene's gonna cut in and he's gonna say, you know, you know, stop doing this, um or you know, a gun's gonna fall mm-hmm. out of a locker on the ceiling or something mm-hmm. that can hurt him or yeah. you know, some you're expecting some again, weird video gamey Deus Ex Machina shit, but in fact it's it's your own stupidity. It was my own stupidity that I didn't think about what I might have to do, which is like, you know, you you do sort of naturally think, all oh, right, okay, well, I've got to try a different tack other than just shooting him, so I'll try and bigger CQC gun. him. <laughs> yeah, bigger gun, yeah. Rocket launcher. I was actually firing like the biggest rocket launcher. I was using I could a rail gun. Yeah. <laughs> I did try and grab him at one point, but you know he's he's quite good at hand to hand, so he's, like mm-hmm. slashed me, knocked me over. So I was like, oh, that's obviously not the answer. But but it is actually you need to you need to knock him down and then and then grab him and inject him. Oh, you can so, you hold,
2: can yeah. Yeah, As I play it now, I I go camel. He walks past me. He's looking, saying like vanished. You know, mm. and, and you, as he crouches around, that he's sort of trying to sniff you out. I I always just come up behind him. And, and it gets quite tricky because the CQC is more complicated than you think it is. If you're crouched and mm. you grab somebody, you will literally just throw them. Yeah. But if you're, you have to be standing up behind him. And
0: neutral stick
2: as well. Yeah, and then just grab him.
0: So another highlight uh, of this uh, act is the Metal Gear face-off. Um, so rather than the traditional end to a metal gear game other than the nes version of metal gear which of course famously didn't have a metal gear in it uh normally you finish up by fighting one or several metal gears uh, but this time you're in a metal gear uh you do a little uh on foot section well on gear section uh, in some tunnels get through that and then uh Liquid jumps out the sea in Ray, which you haven't seen for a few years, and you have a big old fight. And uh, it reminds me—it reminded me a bit of one of those uh, Japanese uh, guys in rubber suits movies, mm. you know, where they're kind of walking in amongst the obviously model city tower blocks. But it looked better than that. It obviously. was Gundam, Gundam type thing. Yeah, mm. uh, pretty cool, pretty fun. Get to be a Metal
2: Gear. There's more depth to that gameplay than you initially think there is, as well. You've got finishing moves and all that kind of stuff that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so virtual on is what it's like. I play it, I always switch when, when Ray comes in, I switch to the missile launcher because you have like a dozen missiles will lock on yeah. and it's like this, this sort of cluster effect. You hit him with that and then you run towards him and then you press triangle and smash him up against the wall, stamp on him and then zap him with the laser. And it, it varies depending on your location and your environment to what it will do. But there's, there's a whole slew of different sort of animations and, and sort of finishing moves with stuff as well. Very cool.
0: Um, does it get, uh, again, playing on a lower difficulty, it wasn't, it wasn't particularly difficult. It was all, all about the, um, I guess, uh, as with the, the rather spectacular bike chase in mm. Europe, it's more about the, the spectacle than it is about the gameplay on a lower setting. But does it, does it get tougher if you're on a harder setting noticeably yeah
2: Yeah, it's and this is something that carries through is he will use his arsenal of various Mm. weapons rather than just say keep doing the same thing which he does on the lower difficulties yeah he will start firing
1: heat-seeking missiles at you doesn't yeah exactly it's good to see ray back as well because once again linking what's that two yeah isn't it yeah Yeah, so it's yeah it's great to see ray come out the scene like oh that's where he's been hiding all this time rex and ray both look really cool and Mm. um
0: yeah, the, I mean, this, this act, not only is it cool in terms of the environment and the memories and nostalgia, it has three sort of massive or, you know, three significant spectacular boss fights mm. in it.
1: Yeah, what, what do you feel about actually um, going back a little bit about the, you know, were you fighting Vamp at the same time as... Um, split screen. Yeah. Yeah, the split screen stuff. Frame rate
2: well, suffers you, a bit, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> I didn't notice that. Like, what I noticed was the fact that I kept getting distracted trying to watch and.
1: he does it a couple of times and yeah i I almost feel frustrated because that looks like the coolest battle ever that's going on on the top Mm. of there but you're (laughs) too busy firing your 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 rockets at the geckos coming in and trying to destroy ray it's
0: a bit of a kind of uh it's a bit of a a bravado sort of thing isn't it Mm. to say well we're going to choreograph this almighty scrap but it's going to be on the right hand side of your screen while you're taking pot shots at geckos for (laughs) (laughs) and it there's it, it lasts how long does it last about three or four minutes Given that, yeah, about so. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it, you know, it's again, it's it's an, it's another one of those things that's kind of memorable. It, I, it was made a lot harder for me than it should have been on the difficulty I was on because I hadn't realised at this point that you could charge up the railgun. So I was mm. using single shots, which uh, oh, yeah. you, still still did it, but it, it would have been a lot more satisfying to take them out with presumably one shot if mm. you fully charged the railgun.
2: Mm.
0: But yes, uh, another little flourish that a lot of people wouldn't have done um
2: uh, sorry i know we're, i'm jumping back a, a stage right. here but you talked about the um the bike chase which is something that you know that, that that's interesting as well depending on how you set your um weapon up because i think yeah, there's a, there's a very if, sp- sorry go- if you're not aiming
0: um, you get to see the, the, the actual so the the direction version of the scene. But all the time you're looking through your site, it's an on-rails shooter. Yeah, mm. I found
2: it very difficult to, to, to feel like I was doing any good as a shooting stuff because you're moving all the time, so sometimes it's hard to get a lock on and stuff. But if you switch that to an auto-aim targeting system, then you <laughs> get to see everything. And, you know, you don't have to think about shooting things because they're <laughs> just highlighted, but... I, I always play that level like that because I just feel it just you. There's so no penalty for using auto aim. None at all, not, not that no. I'm aware of, because um, no. you don't get to cl- keep anything in that level anyway. It's just no. a, you know, it's just it's just second like in, in the
1: main game auto aim. What it just aims at their chest. You can't do
2: pinpoint control of their heads no, and stuff. If you want headshots, okay. you've got to do that manually. Yeah. What's the um,
0: What's the situation if you're going for a no kills playthrough on the the various uh, turret on rail
2: sequences? Well, you have to just. With, with, there's only two, isn't there? So you've got the bike chase and you've got the um, the bit on the top. tank. Of, yeah, Drebin's tank. With Drebin's tank, it's basically don't shoot anything until they get on top, and then it's just those who attack you by climbing up onto the vehicle. You literally just got to CQC them off. So <laughs> it's either just push them off, punch them off, kick them off, or, do, or just do you know the non-lethal stuff. Do they never you, die? Do they not? Uh, yeah, they will if you, you hit them with the gun. But it's you know, you've got things you've got all the non lethal weapons that you can use if you if right. you want and throwing to. Throwing them off doesn't
0: yeah, automatically kill them.
2: I just find that because you're you're not equipped a weapon when you come out of that mode because you've come off the cannon. Um, that it's just sometimes it's easy just to CQC, but you can just yeah. shoot them or um or you know, use a solar gun if you've got it or something. But what does a solar gun do? How do you get that? Um you have it's you know the when you face off against the... If you're playing this non-lethally, it's the only way to do it anyway, but <laughs> it's the boss fights. It's Good one. And included in that is the actual frog fight when you first meet Merrill. So you have to take... You can't kill any of the frogs, so you have to use non-lethal throughout. The others can. They can do what they want. But as long as you yourself have never... Yeah. Ki- and it's the same with the bosses. Mm. You you both. That's both sections, not just the first section with the um, beauties, that you have to use non-lethal. And then... With the beauties, when you when you when they get into human form, if you run around the area, you will find a figure, a statue that you can collect. When you've got all of these, so I think it's five, isn't it? So when you've got all five, then you you when you finish your playthrough, you unlock the um, solar gun, hmm. which is a, another non-lethal weapon, which has a cool charge up. I got to admit, it is pretty pretty impressive. Act five, then old
0: sun, the final act as it were Uh, we learn in a a star wars style pre-death star briefing that's actually alluded to the only possible way of defeating liquid and his plan is by shutting down outer haven by uploading a worm created by olga Golukovich's young daughter sunny who has been by the way on board the nomad plane with uh, snake and crew for the whole adventure cooking eggs cooking eggs over and over again, different amounts of eggs, and reciting the Fibonacci sequence and various uh, Tokyo railway stations and pie and things like that to the tune of this tune. La, la, la. Uh, Naturally, mm-hmm. this can only be done from inside. Uh, so uh, a spectacular assault is launched from a decommissioned battleship commanded by Mei Ling, another returning character. Snake, Merrill and Akiba are inserted, uh, well, I say inserted, <laughs> catapulted on board uh, Akiba uh, misses uh, that's pretty much the last time anything hapless happens to him apart from in the end sequence mm-hmm. anyway I digress uh, Screaming Mantis is defeated Akiba manages to get back uh, in time for that uh, and an enormous amount of frog troops following that fight uh, are fought off in, in a kind of absurd cutscene involving Merrill and Akiba We'll discuss that in a minute. Uh, this allows Snake to make his uh, famous, torturous crawl through a microwave tunnel uh, into the core of Outer Haven. He manages to upload Sonny's worm. It works even better than they expected and destroys the entire of the Sons of the Patriot system's AI cores, which Liquid needed to enslave humanity. The final fight, then, it had to be, is top. Uh, tower on outer haven and it is a cqc fight between liquid and solid um and uh yeah it's uh quite some scrap so so the the screaming mantis battle um do you think this comes anywhere near there's there's a few there's some good nods to the the, the famous uh mantis battle from metal gear solid one where he tries to read your memory card.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, she tries to read your memory card. No, he does. It he is, does. It oh, because he. Is, yeah. yeah. Sorry, he turns up, doesn't he? Because it's a spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he can't. There's a similar sort of uh, fourth wall breaking gag at some point from uh, is it in Act Four where Ottacon says that you need to change your disc yeah. and then Snake says, "Hey, it's a we're on a Blu-ray." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Screaming Mantis, again, uh, I probably didn't see the best of this boss playing it through on easy. Uh, it was, yeah, creepy enough, but not as creepy as Screaming Mantis. Does some of the same same things with the screen going black. Um, mm-hmm. I gather there's an Easter egg if you try and um, change which controller you're – because obviously it's, you can't do the physical thing anymore, as in the PS1 days, but you have to actually mm-hmm. go into
2: the cross-media bar and change the controller number that you're using. There's – um. There is a couple of things I've never tried in this. I've never tried doing that. And when I was, I was talking with James Carter the other week, and we were talking about what would happen if you used the six-axis on the moment where, um, where uh, Psycho Psychomantis reappears in mm. sort of spirit form where he's saying, put your controller down, I will control mm. it. And, um, yeah, I, keep, I actually pulled my I six-axis. Want to shake
0: it back at, back at him and sort of go, yeah.
2: Have well, I've wondered what will happen if I. I mean, I'm I'm you, I'm pretty certain that they've done they've thought of that because the six axis was yeah, still floating around. So it's it's kind yeah. of featured
0: on the cover of the box, isn't it? The six axis control, although it's not actually used. Uh,
2: the is it at all? Oh, the it is, it is. We're, Well, the the six axis the the oh, gyroscope breast it, wobble. <laughs> well, there's breast. Yeah, when you talk to Rose, but there's um, hmm. it's how you go back to your default your your camo. If you just oh, shake yeah. the controller, it just defaults back I know, to. That, I never right. use that because. Yeah. But that well, that that's one of the things that always stood out right throughout the game is when you're in the cutscenes, with the exception of a couple of cutscenes, mainly during the motorbike chase, where you notice that he's still holding the default gun, which would indicate that it's video, not real time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's for the most part, this is all done in real time. So, yeah. you know, you go in with your wallpaper themed uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, costume and then <laughs> shake it mid 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 throw. So. I liked, uh, yeah, I like going up to the, there's that diamond wallpaper wallpaper pattern in the Middle East, which um, you can make Snake look like a harlequin, which I suspect (laughs) is entirely deliberate. Uh, So Screaming Mantis uh, takes control of Meryl and uh, Akiba, and you have to do some of the similar things uh, to that which you did in in the original game. Mm. Um, What sort of tactics come into play on
2: on The higher difficulty settings, James? this was one of the hardest fights. The, the last two boss fights were, without a doubt, the hardest two. This one in particular. Now, I've since learned a trick with this that it's a lot easier to deal with the sort of the um reanimated frogs mm. if you take away their guns. Because <laughs> as you shoot them down, I was running over and collecting their weapons, so yeah. they don't have those guns anymore. It's a good idea. So when they come back, all they've got is their machete, which they have to be. Obviously, you can see them if, if they're right on top of you, you know they're going to use it. But it was keeping distance then. When mm. they've got their guns, they will shoot you from pretty much anywhere they are. So it's, it becomes pro- very problematic on on the the harder setting. So you have to shoot the uh, the dolls from Mantis' hands. Uh,
0: the dolls are, you cannot harm Mantis with regular weapons, mm. of course. Uh, the dolls are the Sorrow from Metal Gear Solid 3 and Psycho Mantis from Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Um, and you get these and th- and on subsequent playthroughs from this point to manipulate the minds of uh, living and dead nano-soldiers, which is uh, quite a cool thing.
1: It's quite amusing. <laughs> Took me a while to work it out as well. Certainly, my first playthrough. Mm. I, I, I got that, you know, because it wasn't the dolls. I think I got that, but the the fact that Meryl was after you being controlled, and obviously they tell you quite quickly, like don't shoot her, Knock her out. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, actually, then, yeah, again,
2: remember in the pen again. Yeah, that's it. Use Naomi's syringe. <laughs> it's
1: like mm. right.
2: So uh, then
0: there there is this scene which um, I thought was kind of. Annoying. Uh, Meryl and Akiba, the, the the romance between them has been hinted at and brewing from early in the game, even though Akiba has been a comedy figure throughout the, mm. the history of uh, the series. Uh, they're having this uh, extremely choreographed um, shootout uh, during which Akiba decides to propose to Meryl. <laughs> she says no. Uh, he sort of begs a bit. She says no and then she says she proposes to him because that's how she wants to do it on her terms. Uh, it's um, it's all kind of, yeah, they're, 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 they're going through these sort of ridiculous... Um, I, I, I think it's supposed to be the idea is that, that Johnny's always been out of step with the rest of uh, Rat Patrol because because he, uh, it turns out he doesn't have nanomachines because he's always avoided his shots, and this also explains his problematic bowels and and whatever but in this scene they're in perfect sync and unison doing this very balletic sort of uh hong kong action movie style taking out of all these frogs um and the, and they're in unison despite the lack of shared nano control and whatever but um i thought it was kind of a silly well i think scene.
2: It, there's a very to me there was a very definite movie reference going on here and i and it's there's a film called Mr and Mrs Smith i wondered mm-hmm. if it was that yeah i've not seen it but yeah my impression of this was that Kojima's a fan of that movie. So and that was, was that the movie where Brad Pitt and Jolie and, 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 Jolie, and Jolie Jolie, Jolie
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, this once again it plays into me where I think there's there's just one or two bits of chaff. I, I, yeah. Just like this this scene could easily one be be shortened. Yeah, two, it's very it's two, pretty be, long. Be removed in its entirety, and you know, I just it's very much. As is, like it, that whole, the whole romance, the, yeah, it's been creepy maybe a little bit through mm. the game, but they explain the whole romance in that one scene and that one scene can go on for 10 to 15 minutes so then, yeah, it's cool seeing them doing this cool shooting people. But at the same time, it's like, oh yeah, we need to wrap up this. We're going to wrap yeah. up all this. Here we go, here we go, here we go. There we go, that's delivered and that's done. Tied with a nice neat bow on the top. And it feels very formulaic
2: and... Well, there is, there, I would say there's, there's a lot of padding in this of, so this, from that point after the... Mantis fight through to the microwave tunnel. It is there's a lot of pattern in there. I mean, the whole run through the various the identical sort of platforms with the scarabs. I mean, it is it just it feels complete. You know, you could you could remove that whole sequence. It wouldn't make any difference. It's good to grind with because those weapons they're carrying carry five thousand drebbing points each. But (coughs) that's it. You know, other than that, it's it. it, There's Mm. no reason for it.
0: Yeah, and I actually think it sort of undermines the you know, the seriousness uh, of the, the 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 microwave tunnel scene, mm. which is probably the scene that I'd heard the most about um mm. of all the whole game. People have talked more about this than the end, the very end, which is, yeah. you know, probably more significant, but this scene seems to affect a lot of people.
2: I, I enjoyed it. The first time I I played it, you know, you're hammering away and, and... I don't know how you did it, but the very first time I was just normally pressing the button and ended up really getting quite stressed because I had to really hammer the button mm. towards the end of it. Mm-hmm. And you wonder if that wasn't, you know, if it was deliberate, if they thought, well, you want to stress the player out by really having to hammer this button. It is, yeah, did, yeah. Because then at least it carries, you. you start to sort of, I wouldn't say feel the same, but you do start to get a little panicked by the end of the I assume week. it is
0: possible to die in there, but I think it very deliberately makes sure that your health bar is down to the absolute sliver yeah, yeah.
1: By, by the end. Because, I'm pretty uh, sure Kojima has, has even gone on record to say that, that they, want, they, they didn't want any player to drag themselves through that, get to the end and feel like they have managed to do it in record time. Yeah. I think because you don't actually get there, do you? Um, you get very close, but I, 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 maybe you can't die in there. But
2: I've never deliberately just done nothing. Mm. But I've never That'd yet died in that area. But it, there
1: is tent, There's always tension. It doesn't mm. look like you're going to get there. And to, to to set it up for people is that you've got to go for this radiated area. Yeah. Um, Snake is by this point. He's been battered. He's been bruised. Burnt. He's clear. Yeah, he <laughs> burnt. his face is burnt off. Yeah. He's clearly um, dying. And in fact, bef, you know, before this very chapter, he'd he'd almost died and given up all hope that he would ever, you know, um, be able to stop. Yeah, he's breathing <laughs> oxygen. He's been coughing and hacking, vomiting blood. He's yeah. not very well. So coming into this, you know, he even has the choice to to let Ryden go through there, or Ryden even offers himself to go through there because at this point he has no arms, he has a sword in his mouth. Oh, God, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, Snake says you you've still got life in you, you're still young. That you know, there's still the best to come. You can in your still life. have arms. Yes. Um. Yeah. You are basically made of mechanical bits anyway. It doesn't matter. So it. He, he, if you, you see this actually as you're playing through this. This is the ultimate sacrifice. This is the thing that's going to kill him. He knows that he needs to die because he is a, ultimately a weapon that will go on to kill other people. Um, and by climbing through there, there is no way back for him. Mm. He's going to die there. And the, the smashing of the uh, the triangle button is kind of representation of that, that you're just going to get to the very end, press that button, save the world, and actually probably die in peace at that point. Um, that's not what transpires. No, that's not what transpires As you're playing, all. as you're playing it, you think, well, actually, this could definitely be the last bit where I get to that button, press it, and you know, save the world, and this is the end.
0: Of course, one thing that persuades you that, that maybe isn't going to happen is the uh, the title screen of the game, the attract mode, which is uh, <laughs> a scene that you haven't yet seen at this point, which makes you think
2: that maybe there's still more <laughs> to come. Well, no, because you could. You could wonder about the track scene being at the very start of the game because that's where the game starts in the, in the same True. cemetery. So You you know. Uh, you. True. Anyway. But.
0: There's no suggestion he was suicidal at that point, though, no, in, in the game. Although the track mode does suggest that he's suicidal. Hmm. So, uh, as you say, you do make it through. Apparently, always, <laughs> even in twenty-one and a half playthroughs, uh, it all works terribly well. Civilization is not only freed but also completely kept intact. Um, but of course, you know, maybe that isn't a good thing. That's a whole philosophical question. Uh, you come to, I'm not sure how or why on on the sur- on the top of the ship. Yeah. Um- is that Definitely. explained? Not so really, no, but symbolic. I guess it, it, it's a suitable <laughs> platform for what happens. But that's about yeah. It. Naturally, liquid turns up um, and claims that. Well, is, is he is he bluffing or what? He says, "Oh, this is how I planned it all along, anyway." I believe him,
2: and and, and this is, it's a difficult one to summarise because he goes into this quite lengthy sort of explanation mm-hmm. of as to what the, the just, you know that this. Why is did he the- go to all that effort? To stop them, if he'd wanted it to happen, I, I think almost.
1: Well, okay, so he he could have taken down. it wasn't the satellite. Um, is that what he was after? Shooting, like he he was going to take down the, the Patriot system, whatever. Mm. And I think knowing that Snake was after him, um, I think he he had the, like a foresight of what Snake was going to probably do to stop him doing what he was going to do was probably just a more elegant way essentially of achieving a goal. Like the goal was going to be achieved in his mind whichever way whether it had been through his pure brutality um, you know, which would have had different effects. Mm. I mean who knows what could have been the outcome if it was just completely stripped down and, and taken offline. But I um, mean they, they do it more delicately but ultimately the outcome was always going to be roughly the same and I think he was intelligent enough to see that.
0: And naturally, it ends up in a mano-a-mano a mano battle between Liquid and Solid, as it had to do with uh, Liquid bare-chested. Uh, and it goes through, in, 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 and yeah, this, this is the kind of thing that the video gamer in me absolutely loves, it goes through the various health bars from the different games mm. and the different fonts and different pieces of music from previous games. Um, the, the actual, the, the cutscene elements of this fight are absolutely fucking brutal, although... I think there probably should have been a bit more blood. There's actually, they really beat down on each other really fucking hard. Mm. I actually winced at a few points, which is very mm. rare for me to do in a video game. They sell the blows other than there should have been a bit more sort of facial defamation for the amount of pummeling that they were taking. Uh, in the end, you know, they've both kind of got bloody noses and that, but, and spitting blood, but the amount of punches and headbutts mm. and stuff, there should have been more cracked skin and, um, you know, just unpleasantness. But despite that, it, it doesn't, you know, there should have been smash noses and stuff, but it's still really, I, I actually found it quite tough to
2: watch. I love this fight. I think it's, it, I know I've said that about various parts of this game, but <laughs> I really think that this, this was perfect. And it was a perfect sort of showdown between these two dogs of war, if you will. I just mm. couldn't uh, I didn't want a shootout with him I didn't want to like uh, you know I was wondering about how it whether it was going to uh, revise the the sort of showdown you had with him in Metal Gear Solid where you know it was a shootout mm. Mm. and I wouldn't I didn't want it I really didn't want it but then it got came to this and it was just the way the music the way the scene is shot and set as well you know the way that it starts up with him injecting Snake with like four or five different uh, syringe-worths of nanomachines to basically revive him because he wants mm-hmm. him to be, they want to be on equal footing. Yeah, they're you know? injecting each other, aren't they? But there is, that's mid-flow, that's, mid, mid flow, that's yeah, towards the latter yeah. stage, isn't it, where they're both knocked down and they're both sort of... Neither of them in. wants it to be over, do they? Because no. it's like it's for their purpose. And there's a sense that, you know, I know they're not brothers, but, you know, he's got his brother's personality. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. it's that thing where... There's a risk and it, it's, I'll, see, I'm a sucker for this kind of, um, you know, this, these sort of heroic war dogs, if you will, where they, they respect each other on the battlefield. It's the samurai thing where it's, they've got this kind of, you know, they might be enemies, but there's a respect. There's an underlying mm. sort of ad- admiration for them. And it's, I love that stuff. I just, I'm, a, I'm a total sucker for that kind of, you know, uh, you know, these heroic warriors and, and, the fact that they do go at it, and, and it's amazingly—I mean, the, like you said—the intro cutscene is—it's—it's um, it's brutal, but it's—it's it's so damn well choreographed. You know, the fight scene—it's. They're, they're almost matching each other blow for blow and, and it's, oh, I love it. I really yeah. it.
0: It cuts in and out of the very video gamey, uh, you know, cause we, yeah. the, the, the original fight between liquid and solid at the end of metal gear solid one now looks really lame. Oh. You know, we talked about that in the show. They're just standing there. You just tap the circle button. They kind of, you know, dance around each other, fall yeah. over, run in circles in this, they <laughs> kind of ape that, but then it will seamlessly, as with so many other scenes in the game, go into a, you know, a high sort of engine uh slow-mo cutscene mm. punch, depending on the timing of your punch. Sometimes they punch each other, sometimes you know, yeah, one of them, one of you gets in yeah. first, there's the headbutt, there's a there's a little Easter egg where you can uh allow um a kiss from liquid onto yeah. solid, um which I think is really interesting as well. Um yeah, it's like I think the, the fundamental, again, playing it on on the lower difficulty setting, perhaps it's just a bit of a button basher. Maybe is it a bit more complex and challenging on I, the higher scenes?
2: And I'll be honest with this. I had to get a friend of mine who's really good at beat-em-ups to come and finish this off for me because <laughs> I huh. could not could not get past him on this. I'm crap at those games anyway. Mm. But I was going to say, mechanically, it, it seemed quite basic. That's misleading. But, um, I honestly believe okay. that's misleading because there's... there's even on the lower difficulties there's there's a lot of special moves you can pull out there's mm. you know if you're near a pole you'll get a uh you you'll grab him and then you'll get a triangle come up where you slam his head into the pole and then you choke him out and and you can do them there's another there's one in particular that I had to get my friend to show me where if you grab him from behind, you basically punch him in the back of the head repeatedly. And then, I was, <laughs> just... uh,
0: yeah, I was doing a, a lot of sort of Virtua Fighter style um, low punch. So you, you go in mm-hmm. and press the X button at the same time. Yeah. So he does a duck punch and um, on the on the difficulty setting I was on, Liquid would tend to fall for that rather too often but um, it certainly helped me Whitley's energy bar down mm. I did actually die on this fight once even on the difficulty I was playing so yeah I can imagine it's fucking hard just,
1: it's euphoric in the way that it's just the visually and it adds the music together and it just feels like mm. yeah this is the moment everything has come together finally we get the fight that we deserve it's um, yeah it's like it's actually quite it's strangely emotional which oh, is ridiculous because yeah. it's two it's two men
2: shirts yeah, off yeah it's a total homoerotic trouble, burly ball isn't it but yeah it's that, that, that final sequence, the final sequence, and it's almost in slow motion, but it's got mm. the, the piece of music called Old Snake playing where it's just a mm-hmm. simple kind of guitar thing. Yeah, it's the, it's the bit on the title screen. Yeah. It? and it's mm. just the way that that is just shot where they are literally beating each other to death at this point. Mm. And it's and it, ah, brilliant, really good. <laughs> the credits roll. So that's that, right? Nothing else
0: to see here. So, what do we make of Metal Gear Solid Four? <laughs> uh, what happens after uh, the first? Actually, no, I'm telling a lie. The 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 the, the epilogue happens before the credits. Um, this is a. Uh, the, it starts off with a, a more. Uh, we haven't really talked about it, but there was a, a wedge driven between Meryl and uh, Campbell, her father. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. um, there's some, yeah, they, they fell out in, 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 after the events of Metal Gear Solid, didn't they? Yeah. I believe. Um, so they kind of, uh, that, that gets resolved. Uh, Meryl weds Akiba in an airfield. Uh, is a kind of, uh, Drebin turns up with presents. <laughs> <laughs> Monkey gets pissed. Uh, then it cuts to uh, Rose visiting Raiden in hospital with a little kid who looks remarkably like Raiden. He believed uh, Ryden was misled Uh, for his own protection, it turns out, that Rose was shacked up with Campbell and that the the boy was miscarried. But it turns out this was just to uh, avoid the gaze of the Patriots. Um, But now that's all over. They can be a family again. And uh, Rose promises she's going to be a good wife and mother.
1: It's like, I mean, Cap Campbell, because you start to think that um, he's a womanizer. Uh, and this is why. Yeah, I actually thought uh, that made him more interesting. That he yeah, <laughs> Meryl Merrill would you know couldn't look him in the eye because ultimately he was this dirty old man. Yeah. Um, and ultimately he was committing a huge sacrifice, which was to make sure that Rose couldn't be uh, discovered by anybody else, and thus uh, Ryden's kid as well. It was it's, it's actually quite an interesting part of the mm. story.
2: I see. I didn't mind the scene between, because it's quite a long sequence where Ryden sort of reunites with his family because at first he's mm. reluctant, isn't he? and it's just this whole sort of quite a long s- sequence between them. Mm. But I remember the first time I was playing this, I was sat on the floor with my back against the sofa watching this, and I turned around, and Kai, he sat there, tears streaming down my face. Oh. <laughs> and, but it, it was interesting because, uh, you know, at this point, like, here's somebody who's not necessarily a gamer as such, you know, somebody who doesn't sort of just plays the occasional thing, but, mm. but got so into watching these cutscenes and watching the story unfold as I was mm. playing that by that point, she was completely immersed in it, you know, and, mm. and to the point where it, it evoked an emotional response. I thought it was good, but I, I saved my tears for the end sequence,
0: but... <laughs> it's uh it's interesting that even uh, i had this um yesterday with the latest episode of um the walking dead mm. where um moments between parents and children even to those of us who aren't parents can yeah. be more affecting than than other things obviously kai Kai's not a mother i'm not a father but there are certain moments between you know even if it even if it's more that it's evoking memories of you as the child and your parents as your mm. parents not not thinking even though you know i'm 40 i could i should be the father figure in anyone's life but um yeah it's uh it's hard not to be you know uh, it, you'd have to be pretty cold-hearted because you know basically that scene is not overacted it's not cheesy the the, the kid uh i think the kid does have an adult voice actor again yeah. which is a bit of a shame but it's does actually do jennifer that- hale oh okay right playing yeah, yeah. woman playing a little boy <laughs> of course um The, uh, the, the bit where he says, I think you're cool and Mm. does a little pose with the sword, you know, it's, yeah, it's a bit cheesy, but it's kind of cute. So then, uh, we see this, the scene that was, uh, alluded to in the attract mode. Snake is back. Oh, well, it was big boss before. This is snake at the boss's grave. Um, we see him having a fag as he does, puts his cigarette away, pulls out a gun puts it in his mouth, almost chokes on it, which makes it that much more sort of uncomfortable to watch. Mm-hmm. And then the camera pans up and we hear a very loud bang. And then the credits roll. Brilliant. But did you ever believe, did you ever believe for a second that he'd done it? Didn't well, the camera pan just basically say, nah, this,
2: that something's going to happen? want to
1: see the blood spurt out of the back of his head? Yeah, just to make please, it- yeah.
2: I think I—I I mean, it's hard to recall. Of, of, you know that it was four years ago, but I—I mm. I, mm. I did wonder. I think there was a moment where I did wonder if he—if he'd gone that because of what he'd gone through. You know what I mean? At this mm-hmm. point, he'd, he'd lost his real, his biological mum. He's been burnt, shot, stabbed. Yeah. And he's going to become a West, weapon of mass yeah, destruction. Yeah, and he knows that he's dying. And because of that, I think there was a moment where I thought, "Yeah, has, has he done it?" And you he's know? taken
1: his own destiny in his, in his hands. Like yeah. he, he's ultimately. Fulfilled his task as a weapon. I mean, ultimately, that's what hes you know—he's been designed for in the end. Um, and by taking his own life, he—he he has some sort of element of control in, in a life where it seems to be many choices have been made for him. So, I mean, I remember back when I first played it, I—I I did genuinely think that was the end. And I, really? and I, and I really feel like it's hard to like to say it's I'll remember, but I almost felt like standing up and giving him the round of applause because I thought <clears> it was a an absolutely brave, bold move thing to do. You know, this huge franchise, um, you know, and they kept saying, this will be the end. This will be the last one. This will be the last one. And you felt like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, this will be the last one. And with that moment, I felt well done. Wow. They've actually killed Snake. That's, you know, in video game terms, that's huge, killing off this, you know, very important Mm -hmm. um, character of, you know, recognizable character. And I really appreciated it. So do we agree to
0: uh, jump ahead to just one of our three-word reviews with Richard Hoyle, whose three-word
1: review is Should Have Pulled Trigger. Better ending? Uh, Here's here's now where the problem is. Back then, I hadn't played Mirror Gear Solid 3. Um, And I hadn't, Mm. I don't think, fully appreciated Big Boss. Mm. Um, Mm. So... Having played Metal Gear Solid of free now and understanding Big Boss and who he is, then no, I think the the ending that they yeah. this ultimately settled with is a better ending because it it ties up you know the franchise in, in a neater way. But back then, I definitely would have liked it, and I think even if they did it now, I I still would have probably been yeah that was that was a a, a very powerful powerful and impactful ending. Powerful ending. Um, but ultimately, no, I I think the you know the tying up the big, big boss strand. Um, it's probably better, which we probably should describe. Well, the I just, here's the
2: thing. Before we go into what I what I like about the, the Metal Gear franchise itself is, is the way that it's evolved over the course of the games is the way it took the villain of the first two games, mm-hmm. the, if you've gone that back that far, but the guy who was mm-hmm. always sort of portrayed as the bad guy. There's a re- and, He was called the big boss because that's what they
0: were in video games in the
2: 80s. He was, yeah, he exactly. was the yeah, big yeah, boss yeah. at the end. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's it, the way that they took the villain and turned him, a complete about face by the time you got to three, I mean, the way they sort of made you then sympathize or empathize with the, this guy who was supposed to be the villain of the, the whole series made it more believable in the sense that nobody's truly evil and nobody's mm-hmm. truly good. You know, that everybody were all shades of gray with this stuff. And essentially the, the, odd thing is that by the end of Metal
1: Gear Four, they were all roughly after the same goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, hours and hours and hours of gameplay. And you're thinking you're, you're defeating the big bad, and ultimately, you've kind of been been played as a puppet the entirety of the time. And in many respects, a lot of their ideals were the same ideals that you carry yeah. in, carry on um, and ultimately execute on.
0: So, if you've uh, if you're the sort of person who uh, immediately switched the game off when the credits started to roll, <laughs> you'd have missed uh, this little scene at the end. So, uh, Snake has not shot himself through the back of the head, through the brainstem. Big Boss arrives in the graveyard in the nick of time. Don't they always? uh, He's carrying the Patriot gun, which, of course, he got from the boss at the end of uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater. It turns out, he reveals, that the corpse that was destroyed at the Volta was, in fact, the remains of Solidus from Metal Gear Solid 2. Big Boss had, in fact, been reconstructed following his defeat at Zanzibar Land in Metal Gear 2. Furthermore, he has a very old, ancient almost, disabled Major Zero, your commander from Metal Gear Solid 3, uh, with him in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. on life support. The man who is behind the Patriots, or was. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's some pretty jay you're the best you're the best qualified probably um, but tony too please explain to me um, what happens next obviously uh, it's kind of significant
2: boss is there or big boss is there to finally close the book on the whole patriots thing and, and and the whole you know everything that's that's happened over the course of the games
0: yeah the idea being that even though this this man is clearly no longer in control of the Patriots because it expanded into this AI, AI thing. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, um, he, his belief is that all the time that Major Zero is alive, he says, you know, from zero becomes one, becomes and mm. so on and so forth. Um, but actually, you know, the act is pretty callous. He 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 takes, I mean, you know, the guy clearly has no quality of life left anyway. He's, uh, I think that one of the shots in the cutscene pretty much implies that he's basically just sitting in a chair shitting. Yeah. And, um... Uh, but he does. He does euthanize a an, an ancient man.
2: Well, I, I see. I looked at it as an act of mercy. I thought because he, they were mm. both soldiers, so he was basically, and they were close friends at one point, as as his mm-hmm. regulars alluded to. But he just, um, and to me, it was just he was doing his, you know, he's putting him out of this non-existence that he'd had because he himself had been there as well because he was in a coma, and this is where the. Um, a snake, liquid and solidus all came out of the fact that when big boss was in a a, a coma from his injuries that zero then took his cells and took his genes to create the uh, Les enfants yeah, terribles. exactly hmm. so you know i i just I, I just thought he was basically just giving his you know killing his friend because he he wouldn't want to be in that sort of state he was a and the other aspect
0: of course is that by
2: exposing
0: himself, Big Boss mm. physically within centimeters, and in fact he hugs him, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and he says he doesn't, he doesn't know whether he thinks of him as his brother or his son or what. Mm. Um, but he certainly thinks of him as a great man and a great soldier and all that stuff. Um, but by exposing himself to Solid Snake, he is exposing himself to Foxdie, which he knows will very,
2: very shortly uh, kill him. Um. It's that scene where he hugs him and it's the expression on, face, on Snake's face and, and that he's unsure what the fuck to do with it. You know, and it's just, you know, and it, it's so well sort of animated and, and, and directed. It's, it really,
0: really works on so many levels. with Is it. this the scene that you've said to me many times, you know, that moves you and that you've always said, you've always said to me, oh, there's this one scene that gets me every time.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole sequence as a whole—it's just that it's—it's literally just those final, the final two minutes of this this sequence. That
1: it's—it's it's like the two separate worlds of Mel Gear colliding together at the very end. Mm. Because I mean, it's the the '60s stuff
0: and the and the '80s stuff, uh, yeah, and then the and then the '90s and 2000s yeah. stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I think I still think there's a number of people out there that believe that Snake is snake throughout all these games and there is no big boss or anything yeah, absolutely. like that, that just, well, you, you know, see this, this one character you see
2: this even with the ground zero stuff yeah, which people is are really confused aren't they? it's big boss and i'll yeah. say that because of the fact that he's wearing his eye patch on his right eye is boss yeah. it's not snake yeah. snake wears this solid eye which he doesn't have an eye patch he wears a solid eye on his left yeah and it's just yeah. like but there's a, a whole <laughs> slew of facts that point towards it being big boss but i'll not go into that right now but it's but it's that when it gets to the final stages, I mean, you have a huge exposition moment where he, ex, you know, he goes into detail about the whole creation of the Patriots and and, uh, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And I know we're skimming over all this, but you can't, like I said earlier, you no, can't we, go into we'd detail. Be so stuff. much, yeah. It's yeah. so layered, and you, you it's so open to interpretation on so many levels. But when it gets down to basics, with so the last two minutes where Boss is dying. You have this almost perfect combination of a particular piece of music called, and the, the piece of music is called Father and Son. Kills me every single time. I <laughs> just, I cannot. It's like a Pavlov's dog to you. Yeah, yeah but it is, it, I, you know, like I said, I love the whole heroic soldier death thing, you know, like some people, and not, I say soldier death thing, but you know when people like, so, sacrifice himself yeah. yeah for for the sake of others so and- what
0: what is big boss's motivation because he knows you know he turns out he's decided obviously well in advance he knows exactly where you know he he knows where snake's yeah. going to be at what time somehow and he's decided that he has to die as well as zero for for this all to end only solid Mm -hmm. snake can be allowed to live on um we should say that it's also been the idea that he is going to become a a wmd has been sort of poo-pooed hasn't it Yeah. scientifically at this point like maybe naomi was full of shit
1: or Mm. i well i just think that yeah they they took a different direction instead of mutating in one way they mutated in a completely different which you know means he's not actually a a wmd Mm. but um
0: yeah. So what, why does Big Boss feel? Um, and it's also interesting, I think, to say that uh, Big Boss here is both looks quite different to Old Snake, even though they looked both identical when in their younger forms. And also, they did recast the voice of, of Big Boss to yeah. Richard, uh, Richard Doyle, who is an older man, um, rather than having, yeah, as we said earlier, Hater acting opposite himself or whatever. And I
1: guess because Big Boss himself has aged naturally, naturally yeah. Yeah. where Snake has. Yeah. Tripled, whatever it may be. Yeah, sure. Um,
0: so, big, big Boss's sacrifice.
2: Uh, why does he need to die? I, I, I mean, as I get it, I think he's just had enough. I think he knows, and it's, it's similar to what Snake's been saying: is that he knows it only ends with him. You know, it, 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 as with Zero, he needs to wipe the slate clean and of all these. Yeah the history and stuff and and but yet with Snake, he, he wants his son sort of speak, because I, I i think at this point he, he 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 thinks of him as his son whether yeah, it genetically he isn't but mm. he certainly sort of uh, has that sort of approach to i it. i think that the, the the way i see it is that
1: um big boss never set out for this kind of stuff to happen in the end i mean it, no. it, he's mani- manipulated in 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 free to to a point that he you know he starts on a, a a dark road um but ultimately i think that got far more out of control um than he expected it mm. to um other influences once again pushed those in all sorts of directions snake was born from you know without his consent mm. um he was born from him and his genes and then he he would have seen all that stuff progress down there once again you know whether he's his son or not he would have seen him follow down roughly the same path where he's been manipulated for the entirety of his life and i think that final scene is just both those people that have pretty much been through almost identical um paths of just you know being told what to do where to go um and it's him as his father saying well you know, this this is time for you to enjoy none that you know, nothing that we've I've ever had, nothing that all these other other people have ever had been caught up in this situation is your freedom. Mm. Um I mean it's very patriotic and all that kind of stuff, but it's, you know, that point of the father just handed on the button to his, the button button to his son and mm. saying Go, fly, you know fly free you know you For the last you, few you months aren't, you, know, <laughs> you aren't constrained by all these yeah you know, these things of governments and stuff you are just a free entity
0: yeah I guess all that uh, I guess big boss feels that all the time he's alive he could still his his genes are, are there mm-hmm. to be you know somebody else could t- just because zero's gone and mm-hmm. the Patriots have gone um somebody would you know who who knows the history of what's happened could try and exploit those you know, incredible war genes that he's got, the soldier genes. So, yeah, I guess that's what it's about. We should uh, mention, as you did particularly bring it up, uh, as regards to that sequence, the OST as a whole. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. as ever, with Kane and Rince, um, Jay, who's editing the show, will have uh, inserted several samples for your listening pleasure. But um, I think it's
2: fair to say it's quite an opulent score, You know, there's a few main themes that stand out, and uh, overall the score is fantastic. As I said, there's a few moments, a few pieces, such as Old Snake and um, Father and Son, which... I listen to quite regularly because I think there are just amazing pieces of music there, you know, hairs on the back of the neck. I think as action movie stuff goes, it's higher quality than a oh,
0: lot yeah, of Hollywood movies. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of extremely, um, sound alike, forgettable, uh, action movie scores out there. Um, but a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, those overly long scenes of military hardware and stuff mm. that are in this game are actually made more pleasurable by the fact that the, the, the score is, is powerful. Mm. And, um, and also you know the the we should mention the actual uh the sound effects in the game and the and the the digital mix which is outstanding so much crisper and clearer and more gives the player more information you know depending on depending on your setup um i played it in 5.1 um tony you've got something even nicer than that haven't you
1: yeah i'm mean, 7.1 but it's just it, it, yeah it's the way they separate channels and stuff is is a, a touch above of other games you get you tend to get quite a a lot of bleeding in many mixes of games there's, there's 5.1 but here we go yeah that, that that's 5.1 there's a little bit of stuff going on in the background but, yeah you know and that's it but this one once again from the presentation all the way through to the sound quality it's it's top notch and feels you know crisp and hd
0: as with every metal gear game since solid 2 i think the the foley in the cutscenes is astonishing you know thinking about mm-hmm. even back on that on that on the tanker deck in Metal Gear Solid 2, where you hear the soldiers clanking down the stairs, and that, and that was all amazing. But now you can hear like the individual, different um, sort of uh, textures of material that people are touching in cutscenes yeah. and stuff. The, the attention to aural detail is is astonishing. I think we've uh, ourselves covered almost everything. We'll do our own summaries at the end, but we do have, uh, as expected, some. Uh, listener correspondence oh one thing I just missed out there there is uh, as ever a little voiceover bit at the end of uh, the final credit sequence which is uh, arguably less consequential than the other ones which have teased enormous plot details whereas this one is just a a little interchange between the friends who are Snake and Otacon. Snake says he's quitting smoking of course Uh, we've just seen um, Snake having a last fag and Big Boss having a last cigar at, uh, at the site of Big Boss's death. Um, Otacon wants to go with uh, Snake uh, and wander the earth for his last few months of his life. Wasn't quite sure whether uh, Snake was actually keen on that idea or not, but he almost hmm. sounds like he's going to come round to it at the end. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: I, I, I personally would have said, yeah, um, you're kind of nah. whiny and annoying. Mike Letty says, "Metal Gear Solid 4 almost made me bankrupt. I bought a PlayStation 3 two weeks before its release and an HD TV on the afternoon of its launch. Just a few hours into the game, wow, uh, that's pretty cool. I understand the common consensus on the game is that it has long cutscenes and not enough gameplay. But in my time with the game, I didn't actually remember a cutscene of that length. Most likely because I enjoyed every second of them." and became completely immersed in the game. The fact that these scenes were in-engine is still astounding. I'd never think of recommending this game to anyone who hasn't, who's, uh, wasn't already hooked at the first solid game. For any single person already up to speed on the story, it's hard to think it could have been done any better, and the appearance of an old face at the end of the game and the subsequent wrapping up of so many loose ties in the overall arc of the games leaves Snake nowhere to hide and one very satisfied Metal Gear fan. Pit War says, The Metal Gear series is without question my favourite collection of games, and MGS4 is, in my eyes, the best of the bunch. In many ways, MGS4 is total fan service. I could understand if someone were to play this and not enjoy it had they not played the previous games in the series. Everything about MGS4 worked for me. Yes, it has long cutscenes, but i had come to expect that, and I enjoyed each and every one. The standout moment had to be going back to Shadow Moses. This has to be one of my favourite video game experiences ever. I made sure to keep radio silence on the game before it came out, so this section came as a total and very welcome surprise. Metal Gear Solid 4 is without a doubt my favourite game of all time. Dom's Beard says, It looks beautiful, the OST is amazing, and it's a great Metal Gear Solid game. The return to Shadow Moses was epic. Shit myself when the snow-covered gecko activated. (laughs) But the one memory that will sadly stick with me is sat willing to forgive kojima for all his sexism day-long cutscenes, and the batshit mental stuff as old snake fell to his knees and then put the gun in his mouth as snake's hand was shaking i started to get a bit teary as i always wanted this to be the end for snake bowing out on his terms but i didn't think kojima would do it he couldn't do it could he pissed me right off when big boss walked on Maybe as I haven't played Peace Walker, or was very aware of Metal Gear 1 and 2, that it made me feel like this. Snake's suicide for me would have been fitting on two counts. Firstly, he is bowing out on his terms, not on some battlefield in the middle of nowhere. And secondly, he was sacrificing himself to prevent himself from becoming a bioweapon. Del B, 2K. Mechanically, this was the best the series ever managed to get providing a sneaking system that was easy to get to grips with, effective and more accessible than any of the others. More importantly for me, it made sneaking fun and a viable route through the level, especially with the new camo system that they introduced. The cutscenes were long and dripping with fan service, excellent for me but I suspect torture for those who had never played an earlier entry. The ending was just about perfect, bar the lack of a final trigger pull, the revelations as bonkers but brilliant as I had hoped for. But not everything was rosy. The bosses lacked any real character morphing into mecha models without any form of distinct personality or interesting backstory. While some levels were brilliant, others felt flat and listless. The European city being an example of a boring conceit dragged out far too long. Not to mention that the technical limitations of the PS3 meant the continual installing and loading broke up the flow a bit too often. Uh, Clearly not technical limitations because you can now install the whole game.
2: Well, they, they possibly were at the time, I suspect, but, um, you know. Yeah, maybe. But then that
0: is Metal Gear through and through. You take the rough with the smooth and you come out with something so unique no one else can ever come close to it. For me, 4 was never the pinnacle of the series. I think it falls behind the brilliance of 3 and the subversion of 2, but it's still a special experience. Some great comments there. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. They all echo each other. Obviously, you know, it's not a, uh, a scientific cross-section of everyone who played a Metal Gear Solid 4 Uh, played it through these are people who were on our forum and motivated to comment on the game so therefore perhaps more positively disposed but uh, you know the game is well loved by the fans I think it's fair to say three word reviews then Uh, Tony Darth
2: Cuddles batshit crazy epic we managed to get two batshits in right at the end (laughs) Jay Eric from Lansing. I'm wondering if that's that's not the Lansing that's near us, is it?
0: No, it's New York Lansing. Ah, all right. Okay.
2: Probably better than the one that's near us then.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. Hey, another cutscene.
0: Andy Kurosaki. Snake is old. Tom Thumb. Truly
2: phenomenal game. Sean Finally, sh- trophies added. Pit War says can't be topped. Lentini. Movies too long and big man Finelli, perfect ending closure,
0: closure indeed. So, our own summaries. Uh, I think you've probably sort of picked up roughly how we feel, but uh, let's go with Tony first.
1: Um, I'll probably echo what delby 2 k was saying mostly. Um, I have huge respect for Metal Gear Solid 4. Um, in some respects, I can't see how they could have ended the series any other way than this hugely bloated mammoth of a Metal Gear game. But as somebody that loves Metal Gear, I appreciated all that. I think if you were to view it as somebody that wasn't that you know were coming to Metal Gear Solid for the first time, I wouldn't recommend this being your first experience. Although it's the most accessible, it's also I, it carries so much baggage with it. I would find it almost probably inaccessible in all the little aspects that you have no idea what you'll be doing with. Um, but I just, having played them all back to back, it's it's given me time over the last six months to really analyse which is my favourite game from the series. Um, is it Metal Gear Solid One purely because that was my first, um, you know, first experience with the service series all the way back in. 98 Um, or is it the the later ones that I finally got around to playing I think to me like Metal Gear 1 or Metal Gear Solid hit everything perfect Uh, I think the boss battles were the most interesting, I think the sneaking battles were most, the sneaking was the most interesting Um, and I think Metal Gear Solid 3 uh, made me love Big Boss who were a character I hadn't really understood before Honestly when I think it comes to 4, I just think it's a bit too bloated um it, it has it tries so much and i think it as a consequence it doesn't flow as well as it needs to um and i think there's other games in the series which are better than metal gear solid 4 but as a fan of the series do you know what i kind of appreciated what it did um but i wouldn't say it's the best one and i wouldn't, wouldn't also say it's the first one you should jump into as a gamer so yeah a, a real mixed bag for me uh enjoy playing it again and love the fact that i understood everything this time rather than the last time like who are these people um but yes yeah, it's, it's it's just it's just miss misses something to me it's just misses something a little bit special although it has got many many elements that has to be applauded and and loved
2: hmm.
0: Yeah, for me it's uh it's it's a really cool fun excellent video game. Um I'm definitely not a sort of even despite having played through the entire series this year, I'm definitely not like a Metal Gear fanboy, but I've come to uh, I've always had a certain amount of affection for the series even since the first game, but that's certainly increased over the last 6 months and uh I was genuinely intrigued to find out sort of what happened at the end, even though I knew some, you know, sometimes along the way, the things that happened would be annoying and stupid and yes, batshit crazy. Uh, but most of all, for me, this, these games are about the cool, clever, unique, different, interesting ideas that Kojima and his team put into these games. The production values are, are, are you know, a welcome bonus if you will but it's the it's the sandbox element the, the the toys the weapons the fun the easter eggs oh my god the endless easter eggs all that mm-hmm. stuff in all these games is excellent um this one has the best graphics although the hd editions of 2 and 3 look very nice indeed um but yes it's it is ironic that it's probably the most accessible in terms of contemporary gameplay but the least in the sense of it has nine hours of completely incomprehensible cutscenes to anyone who's never played a Metal Gear game before um, you know the game you can pick up this game for well under a ten an hour'd imagine like seven or eight pounds um, there's certainly no risk to buying it in that sense uh, obviously the online component is gone, but that was never something we were addressing here uh, but yeah it's for me it's another sort of there are elements of this game that are 10 out of 10, absolutely gobsmackingly brilliant. There are elements, which are kind of six, four, five out of 10 kind of annoying moments of ridiculousness. But overall for me, it ends up as a, as a, as, a, as an excellent uh, experience that, that should be had by anyone who's enjoyed a Metal Gear game.
1: Yeah. What, what I will say is that I appreciate Metal Gear for its uniqueness. There is, It's it's strange. It's one of those things that I think actually turn people off from the franchise. But if you invest into its uniqueness, it's one of the things that grabs you and doesn't let you go. And you revel in it, and you love all the little secrets and stuff. And there's very little out there on the market. It's this is almost very. It's an individual piece of entertainment as a series as a whole, Uh, and that has to be applauded because there should be more uh, more games out there that stamp
2: their mark. Its uniqueness is one of the reasons it is as popular and has such a following that it has. You know, it's they really do sort of, you know, over a 25-year franchise and it's still going strong as we've seen with the the release of the teaser trailer for Ground Zeroes. The sheer, you know, internet sort of explosion that happened after that trailer went live, it was, you know, it still carries so much weight. And I think for myself, it's... I wouldn't necessarily say, despite having played through as many times as how we four whether four is actually the best game in the series the one of the things that strikes me about four is because I've been so invested in the entire series rather than this one particular game you know it's like it it's because it references one two, three, you know, yeah. and it, it's just. And it's the way it culminates, uh, you know, the, the storyline and stuff is is one of the reasons I, I think, obviously, because it's on the PlayStation as well, just makes it easier to pick up and put in. But it's, again, it's hard to say you should definitely play this game. I would would never say to somebody who shouldn't play it, but I would definitely say you, you may want to check out, and certainly now it's a lot easier with at least two and three being available either on the PSN or the... Um, the disc version, you know, it's and three hundred and sixty. Uh, and yeah, well, you yeah, exactly. But you've got a bit of a problem if you play those two on the three hundred and sixty. You still got to go get a PS three for four. But good point. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, I I I I really, I, I, I'm, I'm invested in this series and will be for a considerable length of time. Sounds like there's more to come. As yeah. I say,
0: we may, uh, we may get together and do a separate, uh, have a separate conflab about mm. uh, the potential future, what we're hoping for and uh, expecting with more Metal Gear on the way. Uh, and we'll put that as an audio article on the blog. You can, of course, play along with Kane and Rince, the podcast, uh, just like the stars of the video game development world are doing. <laughs> We've had uh, nice feedback from Hayden Dalton of uh, Vigil. He's listened to our Darksiders show and uh, Alex Noisy at uh, bit, uh, Gaijin made BitTrip Games. That was really cool. Uh, future featured games include Borderlands with special guest James Batchelor of uh, MCV and Game Burst. And that will conclude Volume 1, the 50th issue of the Kane Rinse podcast. How did we get here? I have no idea. But there mm. it is. A year. Then we're going to have a wee break. A holiday. Um, summer holiday. Summer holiday. Late summer holiday. I'm going to Spain. I uh, don't know what the rest of you guys are doing Playing anyway, Metal Gear 4 probably Playing Metal Gear 4 <laughs> uh, Yes uh, but as, as we know a lot of people will listen to this uh, Podcast extemporaneously anyway So that could be irrelevant data Next season Next volume we'll kick off With Mirror's Edge Then we start our Half-Life series Then Asura's Wrath Following that Cast of Illusion, Quackshot and World of Illusion Mickey and Donald Fantastic. Syndicate 2012, but we know some of our listeners are going to go back and play the original Bullfrog Syndicate and Syndicate Wars on a PS1 for that show, so why not join in with that and talk about it on the forum. Half-Life 2, Cave Story, Binary Domain, Pac-Man Championship Edition DX with special guest Sinan Kuba of Joystick. Half-Life 2 episodes 1 and 2, Akami, HD in brackets if you want Shenmue's 1 and (laughs) 2 and in the new year we plan to do shows on Applejack 1 and 2 and Papo and Geo hopefully in some capacity involving the developers of those games which would be amazing the month by month schedule can be found eventually on the blog and the blog can be found at www.kaneandrince.com we currently have uh, a star feature up there at the moment and this is uh, thanks to Jay here and his wife for arranging and translating an interview with uh, Shiro Toyama, the man behind Gravity Days, Silent Hill, and uh, the Siren Games. Um, and that is really cool. So we also want to thank Toyama-san himself, not that he'll be listening, but um, he took time out of his schedule to answer a whole load of questions from the team and from Kane and Ritz listeners. And, we, yeah, we have an exclusive interview with
1: a pretty Damn cool developer. So well done, everybody, for that. Check it out. You can find our quick rinse videos on the blog and on the Kana Rinse YouTube channel. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, which is at Kana Rinse. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Kana Rinse. And of course, you can email us um, on KanaRinse at gmail.com. Your support for the show via your iTunes subscriptions, reviews
0: and ratings is massively appreciated. I was particularly touched by the review uh, I was pointed towards on the Australian iTunes store that uh, said I was a decent host, and, uh, but they referred to me as Evan Cox. So I'm obviously, obviously not pronouncing my enunciating clearly uh, my name, which is Leon. Just saying. Not that I have big ego about it or anything. But um, thanks for that. That's just what you're called. That's just what I'm called. Uh, now, we mentioned this on the last show, but since then, it's uh, it's caught fire. The Cana community now has a, its own very own home at canaerince.com forum, or you can just go to the homepage and click on the big icon on the top right. Uh, it's going really well. Loads and loads of people have signed up. It's busy. It's very friendly. Uh, we'd love as many of our listeners to sign up as possible and join in the pre and post podcast discussion. Uh, there's also off topic folders and community game night stuff, which, uh, we still are in the process of sort of making more formal and more arrangements. But yes, anyone who listens to this show, any age, any gender, whatever, come and join us at the forum. We'd love to hear from you genuinely. Yeah,
1: I think, I think the time, time this show goes up, we're going to be getting close to a thousand posts in a week. So, wow. you know, it's it's caught fire and that's great to see and there's just tons of great conversations already in there which i'm i'm don't know why i'm surprised about that because you know we have fantastic listeners yeah and actually um i'm not on next week's show uh for many reasons but actually i'm going on holiday before leon is so Ah. i'll be able to make next week's show so just just to say you know we are going on a summer break and a thank you to everybody that's uh, that's you know contributed to the show followed us on the show for the past year it's, uh, it's been really, you know, once again, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, but it, it's been quite a humbling experience seeing the numbers slowly grow up. And uh, the forum has been, you know, a nice cherry on top of a, a, re- a really good birthday cake, I think.
0: Oh, lovely. Yes, it's been amazing. Um, some more from me on that next week. Uh, mm. So until then. Um, Thanks for bearing with us on this one. Uh, Imagine how long it would have been if we had had all six of us on the show as planned. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony Atkins and the returning Jay Taylor and also for his editing efforts. And uh, we'll be back with Borderlands. I'm dancing and all that stuff next week. Until then, some suitably emotional music.